Hello and welcome to the Ham Radio Crash Course Podcast. My name is Josh, amateur radio call sign KI6NAZ. And I'm Leah, KN6NWZ. And we like to talk about ham radio, among many other things. So without further ado, let's start the radio show! So when we did the uh, the episode last <laughs> week, everybody's like, "You should just stream with the old time, the old time radio voice, like we did last uh, on the last episode." So that's what that was. You really surprised me. There. <laughs> How are you doing, Leah? I'm doing well. This is the first day of summer. Well, it's the first day of summer for Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edison continues his virtual preschool until the end of the month, and then okay. it will be his summer. It will be his summer. He's very excited. He, for some reason, thinks that kindergarten is Chinese school. Oh. So he goes, yeah, so I'm going to finish my preschool, and then I'm going to join my Chinese school. Hmm. That's not how this works. No. <laughs> Interesting. Well, thanks, everybody, for clicking on the Ham Radio Crash Course podcast. We like to kick off the show with the Ham Radio Minute. It's never a minute. And this week, so we're continuing talking about field day. And this Hammer New Minute is going to be kind of a 2.1. Field day consistency, or consistency in your radio, and then having lofty goals. Field day is about getting your gear outside, setting up in the obviously in a field, or some kind of off-nominal situation and making contacts. For many of you, you have a confident way that you can set up portable, most likely, And you'll be able to make contacts pretty consistently. I'm assuming most of you can probably get on 10 meters real easy or 20 meters real easy. But maybe you have a lofty goal that you've never really tried satellite operations. Mm. Or you've never done the CW bullet, that W uh, bulletin that W1AW puts out. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we talked about it last week. That was the bonus points for the uh, (laughs) (laughs) capturing the bulletin. So have a consistent portable game that you can get up and running and you know the system very well, you're comfortable, but then push the boundaries a little bit and give yourself a stretch goal. And, and clubs do this a lot because, you know, they'll they'll have someone that's job is to make some satellite contact. So they get those 100 bonus points, for mm-hmm. instance, right? So stuff like that. Be comfortable. Keep within your realm of what you know because you're going to be able to do that much better and successfully, but also try and push yourself a little bit. Maybe that is we're going to have a solar setup this year you know, or Mm. something like that. Set a goal that you can uh, capitalize on some of those bonus points we talked about last last week, but still stay within the space that you'll be comfortable making contacts. I really like the idea of field day teams, like with the club. I mean, that's the, that's kind of the idea. Because, you know, in a post-apocalyptic situation, Mm -hmm. those are going to be the people that you end up creating a walking dead posse with, right? Right. Yeah. Ham gang, yeah, in the, in the Walking Dead world, yeah, exactly. Start getting together, running drills in the morning, not ham radio drills, like just like like actual running, yeah, like well, running from hams, a zombie. Drill. Hams are already out. Then we're already out. There are so many I'm, super I'm healthy just hams. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Have you seen these soda guys? <laughs> They're just. I'm gonna carry this big old pack. Up a mountain. <laughs> I want to play radio, but I can't do it if my heart rate isn't 140. <laughs> it just won't work for me. There's no there's no adrenaline in my ham radio otherwise. <laughs> so very good. Well, what are we drinking this evening? 
Uh, you picked up the beers today. I did. I picked up a couple of drinks. This one's called the Dude's Despair. That the is Dude's Despair. But despair is spelled like a spare, as in a bowling spare. Mm-hmm. And the apostrophe between the D and the spare is a bowling pin. Mm. So it's it's not a a man's depression. Mm-hmm. It's a man's spare. Sadness over bowling. getting a spare instead <laughs> yes. of a strike. I'm happy when I get a spare. <laughs> That's good enough for me. I'll take it. Aged in red wine barrels and totally in the way. What does that mean? It's an imperial stout. The aged way of the dude. In red wine barrels. Mm-hmm. 10% and it's ABV. By which brewery? Boulder Beer. It says the dude strikes again. A sequel to the dude's bane and scourge of the dude. The Dudes of Despair is the third release of our barrel-aged Dude series. This imperial stout gives uses a blend of specialty malts for dark chocolate, roasty flavor with hints of black licorice. Aging it in first, use Cabernet wine barrels adds depth, bringing out soft fruit flavors and subtle oakness. Oakiness. Subtle oakness. Yeah. <laughs> It's written in this terrible font. Yeah, it's got a really funky, like, hand script-looking font to it. I'm guessing that the Dude series is actually talking about the Dude from The Big Lebowski. Because what does the Dude like to do? He rolls. Yeah? Referring to bowling. Okay. So, I'm guessing that that's what that is from. So, it's okay. It's neither here nor there to me. It's fine. I don't love it. I, I'm actually pounding it to get to the next beer. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, do you want to mention that one, or should we stop when we get to that one? We can stop when we get to the okay. next one. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Join the conversation by leaving a review on iTunes for the Ham Radio Crash Course podcast. And speaking of reviews, thanks so much for dropping a review over on iTunes. We got three of them this week. Great show, informative and fun, from Wet Finger. And he writes... The show is terrific. Learning about the nuances and intricacies about ham radio with the host provides for an exciting journey that we can all relate. Passing your exam, Elmering antenna building, building your ham shack, the psychology of the hobby, and owning programming about Fang. Well, thank you, Wetfinger. That's nice. Yeah, that's Thanks. Pretty nice. Great podcast with some ham radio content from Ed <laughs> with some <laughs> some five seventy six. A wonderful conversation with ham radio instruction thrown in. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Accurate, accurate. <laughs> and this is epic from Ritz Henson, and he writes: Josh and Leah are simply epic. This podcast is so much more than just ham radio, cat cups, touch lamps, and skyline chili are all just small samples of the engaging entertainment. Do yourself a favor, subscribe, even if you're not into ham radio, but especially if you are. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for the glowing review. We really do appreciate that. We do like the reviews on iTunes because that's kind of where most of the aggregation of podcasts goes. So anything you do over there is, is highly, very much appreciated. So thanks for taking your time to do that. With that said, Leah, do you have anything fun you've been using this week? Well, we haven't used it yet, but in my never-ending quest to encourage the kids to get into 
engineering and building things, mm-hmm. I bought a Nintendo Labo. A Nintendo Labo. Is it Labo? Labo, Labo. La- yeah, I don't think Labo, it matters either way. La- okay. And it's essentially a a build kit of different kinds of builds that then interacts with the Nintendo Switch, and they can build games around the device that they've made. It's specifically cardboard that is pre-cut and perforated to connect with, physically connect with the controllers, which are multi-access control with Mm -hmm. rumble capability and also the the main body of the of the switch so there's like a fishing game Mm -hmm. there's a piano there's a bunch of other things and it it does come with a game that when you're in fishing mode for instance it becomes a real actual fishing game and it uses the controller to to note i think it's cool the rod you know the, the the orientation of the rod so it it should be fun I had some reservations. I have some reservations. I'm worried about the longevity of the cardboard. So I'm curious uh, to see how it holds up, particularly with our children. Well, I don't, I don't expect it to last forever. I think that the kit is worth it just for the experience of building it. It's not as simple as this cardboard perforation and all just fits together. They've got to figure out how the device works together. Sure, sure. I'm just saying once they get it all together and they've played with it for a little while. Sure, just like anything else. It gets <laughs> cast aside, and if they ever want to come back to it, it, it may be too damaged at that point with knowing how things I go I don't think the house. games are robust enough for them to think, you know what I really want to do? I want to go back and play that Switch fishing that game. That really dorky piano that <laughs> has no... Uh, has many issues, but yeah, I have something that that I'm actually that I've been using all week. Um, I got a Catadyne bee free water bottle. It is a plastic bottle. Oh no, that just fell it over. doesn't stand up for sure. It, it does. It's not a stand bag. Up. It's a bag. It reminds me of how Canadians Canadian get milk their bags. milk yep. in bags, but also it reminds me of a douche. Oh, <laughs> whoa! Yeah. And now you can never drink out of it again. <laughs> wow. That's, well, there's a, there's a revelation. You're, you're staring at it like, oh my God. Well, the reason why this is, is interesting, um, for many reasons, I guess, but the, the thing that I found interesting was that it has an integrated filter in the cap. Okay. So it's like a Sawyer water filter sure. in the cap. The advantage of the Catadine though, is that the body of the water bottle the top is is hard plastic and it's permanently open and it's a wide mouth opening okay so if you were at a stream or something like that filling the bag is very simple because that opening is wide open you just kind of like put it in the water Scoop. pick it right up got it the sawyer filters have a very narrow opening which makes them a really pain in the butt to get connected and all that stuff hmm. plus this is just fill and go. You just leave the dirty water in the bag and drink out of it. Interesting. So it's just, it's ready to go. But if you wanted to, it has the sport top bottle. So you can squeeze fresh water mm-hmm. into a clean bag and just fill it again. Sure. There's also a nozzle that <laughs> allows you to use it as a douche. So <laughs> I guess you could attach that attachment that particular attachment if that were turns out that's not turns out that's not healthy to do anymore anyway okay that's out okay (laughs) well then i guess i'm fine i guess i don't have to worry about it that's that's great for me very good (laughs) 
I'm really I glad. Just, you need to put this away. I just can't. I can't unsee it. I need to get it. Okay, I'm hiding it now so yeah. that I won't see it. So very good. Uh, yeah, boy. Okay. Well, with that said, Leah, why don't you tell us about your preparedness ideas this week? What are some yes. things you're working so through? So we, we touched on it a bit last week uh, in the email correspondence tower. But I'm going to go over just a few documents, uh, I mean, more than a few, that you do need to store in a fireproof safe. So this is a for continuation emergencies. of it. We've yeah. been building to this because you had a, a preparedness corner on mm-hmm. fireproof safes. Yes. And we added that a little, we expanded that a bit to talk about firearms. Yes. And then we got some emails, really good emails, talking about mm-hmm. the some of the complex issues with safes. Yes. And then now we're... Safe fire ratings. Ev- yeah, that's right. Evolving it a little bit further here. So the things that you should store in a fireproof safe. One, right out the gate, birth certificates. Right. Right. Social security cards. Any any government documents that you need to identify yourself with. So Marriage license. Right. Uh, if you have it, uh, ownership papers for cars... Yeah. Property. I will, I will get to this. Am I just stealing your thunder right mm, now? Little, sorry. Okay, mm. I'm sorry. I'll shut up. Insurance information. Oh, good. I think a lot of people take their insurance information. They f- <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Copies of QRZ magazine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, QST. Sorry. <laughs> QRZ magazine Q- would just be... <laughs> Pages and it would be pages of ripped out spiral bound notebook, (laughs) handwritten hate comments that have been bound together in a in a nasty just collection, if you will. Sure. Of 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 content really that that really takes care of itself. But you continue, yes. Uh so insurance info. Uh take that that current policy that you have that shows what is and is not included, right? And the your insurance certificate, essentially. Mm-hmm. There's usually a declarations page that is a short form, but you really want the whole packet so that there's no question. Don't assume that, oh, I'm going to be able to hop on the internet and look it up. Yeah, assume no Don't insure, don't insure, no. Don't assume you can trust your insurance company. Oh. <laughs> yes. Okay. So it has to be whatever the um, the policy you signed like today. Exactly, you want that right now. That you have yeah. So that you know, you're like, oh, I just claimed fire damage. I'm just going to go online and download my policy really fast and check. Right, you and know, then like, the current terms of whatever have changed from when. Mm. There's actually people whose whole business this is. Mm-hmm. They're private insurance adjusters. Oh sure. And what a private private insurance adjuster does is in the case of a loss, you bring them in right up front, and they will not let the insurance company lowball you on any category or leave categories out. Mm. Uh, so we actually, we almost used one uh, when our bathroom flooded. Right. But the amount that they would have, uh, the, the bathroom's relatively small, mm-hmm. and I honestly didn't feel like an insurance adjuster would have been able to get much more money than the... And also whatever costs associated with hiring them. Right, right. Because they take a percentage. A wash at some point. Yeah, they do take a percentage. But in reality, they 
the and I'm not this is not endorsing all of the people who do this, but theoretically, a good one will get you more money even after their fee, like less their fee, right? Than you would have gotten, and then save you all the hassle of fighting with your insurance company. I like it, right? Yeah. So, um, so insurance info: fire, tornado, flood, hurricane, earthquake. Uh, current policies, your agent contact information. Any contact information should be in your first. Well, you start with your agent because they're the ones who actually made money off your policy up front and they make money on residuals. So when an insurance agent sells you a policy (coughs) and you renew every year, even if you're not talking to them all year. Cha-ching. Yep. It's residuals for them, right? They Every time you renew, they're still getting paid. So Mm -hmm. it behooves them to help you. Right. Right. And especially if you're somebody who has multiple policies with the same agent. Right. If you bundle. They're very invested in making you sure that. You paid for that, their boat. Of course yeah, they're exactly, invested. Exactly. Um, medical documents. So obviously your medical insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, a list of doctors, prescription medications, uh, contact information for your pharmacies. Sure. Right. Any... Any medication that may have been lost, you need right. to very quickly be able to refill, especially if those are... Sure, if are, they're very important medication yeah, in exactly. particular too, right? So, and, and you want to go to the pharmacy that you're normally using mm-hmm. because they have all your information in, on file. But what if they're impacted by whatever the disaster was? Right. So you really need to have all of that information, assuming that nobody's going to be able to provide it to anybody. Sure. You need to come with the information, right? This is a good point, too, to add that there is a ARRL has an insurance policy for hams. Oh. So if you, same kind of thing, if you have an insurance policy with the ARRL or someone is what covering they, your radio. They, they have a group insurance. Oh, they do radios. have radio insurance. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They protect, they, they cover radios. That why wouldn't that just be covered in your like homeowner's policy? Lightning strikes, for instance. Oh, right, yeah. What about theft? Yep, covers theft too. Wow. Yeah, that's that's why it's actually really good. It's a good policy for what it is for amateurs, but it is very specific in what they do. So it's a personal property, right? Uh, insurance policy. Yeah, I believe okay. so. Yeah, I keep my firearm ownership papers in our fireproof safe. Mm-hmm. Um, Bitcoin information. Any cryptocurrency. Yeah, absolutely. You should have, and I'm assuming also you would have a a USB stick possibly with these files also in a digital copy, as well as a hard copy. Cold wallets. Right. So you've got some kind of wallet for your currency that you've stashed that you're Mm going to keep. Um, That could be how you get into your online wallet or something that you have another wallet where you have like backup coin, stuff like that. All that stuff would be incredibly valuable, too. Okay. Then birth certificates. Yep, yeah. Everybody's birth certificates. I already mentioned that. And social security cards. But also, and this, I know this is going to be hotly debated, I would keep vaccination records with it. Sure. Because, not just because of what's going on in current day climate, but you also need... Anything that might require you, if you're going to relocate somewhere. Right. Right. And maybe you're relocating to a place that is completely 
untouched by whatever happened, right? they're still going to have all the same requirements. So if you're going to enroll right. your kid in school or something, you need all of those documents that... The you, past medical reports of when yeah, you've been to the doctor, all that exactly. stuff. Exactly. Not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, passports. Passports. Copies definitely. of your driver's license. I know everybody carries their driver's license on them, but sure. what if you didn't get to your wallet or purse in time? Right. Right. I would also actually do copies of your credit card too, huh. front and back. Interesting. Because one, it's good to have those things just in case somebody steals your wallet or purse. But also so that you can continue to use those cards. Right. Because if, if you've you got the security code on the right. back, then you've, you can do the whole thing just with the numbers. And I know that everybody says cash is king, but your cash burnt up. <laughs> or, mm. You know what I mean? Well, that's another thing you could keep in your safe. Cash. Right. <laughs> but how much cash? Oh, I don't know. But, you know, decide. That's Put a tough. number to it. That's tough. I know not everybody can afford to keep a large amount of cash that will I don't know. 500 grand? Does that seem like enough? Oh, my God. Does that seem like enough to put in a fireproof safe? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Fiscally I'm irresponsible. <laughs> I'm kidding. Fiscally irresponsible. Um, so, yeah, your ID and, and again, a, a passport. And I, we, you have an updated passport. I, I do. don't have an updated passport right now. And I need to get on that for. Uh, for me and the kids, because what if you actually do need to flee the country? <laughs> sure. You know, so get your We're passports going, in yeah, order. It's going down into a scary, scary thought there. A little bit. A little bit. I but, mean, keep your you know, options open. Keep your options what's open. What's peace of right? mind, right? It, it takes like two seconds to put it in your fireproof safe, right? And then it's there. That's true. Uh, wills. And mm-hmm. if you have a trust. Anybody named Will. Yeah, any Will, just shove it shove right in into the fireproof safe. <laughs> They tend to be a small people, mm-hmm. right? So, and we're talking, and I'm thinking of our friend, both of just our friend the Will's, biggest the tallest people dudes. we know, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, so, and yeah. neither would go willingly into a fireproof safe. I, I absolutely think. There's not. There's no way. <laughs> uh, wills, uh, trusts, any documents that show how you would want your your assets or your life handled. Sure. Good, good idea. Yeah. Right. Uh, financial documents. S- consider the fact that you're going to have to prove that you own what you own at a bank. Particularly after it was destroyed. So they're not, they're, they're in the position of not wanting to believe you. So you need right, the evidence right. to be able to yeah. back up your mm-hmm. claims. Right. Uh, so bank account statements, at least, you know, a one a year or something right. um investment accounts like you have a 401k or an ira those things right sure. bank accounts um anything that proves you own something mm-hmm. so the title to your house the titles to your cars right right uh firearm documents firearm you're talking ownership. about yep those get stolen, those burn up in fires. Those are absolutely something you should have backups for. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, other than that, maybe you can get sentimental if there are uh, there are photos mm-hmm. that you really have kept generation after generation. If those mean something to you, uh, keep those. And then jewelry, coins. Coins are good. Yeah, I was going to mention yeah, that. Those aren't really paperwork, 
but there, there are some collectibles that are not very large that are worth a, a sizable amount of money that if you have the space why not throw it in there right sure and I am sure that our email correspondents will write in with some great suggestions too to Leia at hamtactical.com very good that was a great corner Appreciate it, Leia. Thank you. Well, let's move right on to Leia's email correspondence corner. Yes. Let me pull this up. All right. Why Why does it do that? Why does it, it do it that? It fully cycles my email. So the one I have Oh, you were done with that? Gone. Oh, I thought you were... Yeah. Well, you, you're not done with that? <laughs> that, that? That place that you stopped in your email? Exactly. You didn't want to reset at the top? I'm so uh. confused. Good UI design. Sometimes a rare thing, even for large companies. So, on to my favorite part of the podcast. Uh, here we go. This first email is titled, A Few Things, A Few Ideas About Things. And this is from James. Leia and Josh, I wanted to expand on the Leia video concept. And this okay. is, last week I suggested you go back and you do more beginner how do you do this? Mm. Right? Which I think for you might be kind of difficult because you're very mad scientist and you want to figure out the next thing. Right. So for you to go back and do something that you've already fully mastered and is second nature to, for you to do. It's like to, I do the yada, 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 and then yeah. it's done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I give it the I yada, yada, tough. yada. I think it's tough. It, it, it is. Actually, it's worthwhile you, to you do. nailed the exact thing that I have trouble with. But also yeah. at the same time, I have videos up for a lot of this stuff already. You know? So, I mean, you could argue that I have better cameras now, better audio, and I can reshoot Something them maybe. Something more watchable. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. Shots fired. Wow. I mean, not not that your videos aren't watchable. It's just, you know, when you go back and you watch the old cartoons like Tailspin or mm -hmm. or um, I know Duck all Tales. my old YouTube videos. It's the craziest thing. I did blackface in them exclusively. What? It's they <laughs> have not aged well. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm talking about how when you look at the video, it's like, wow, this kind of this is so blurry. It kind of hurts my eyes. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Because video quality has just come so far. You remember when I used to shoot like all my videos on those flip cams? Oh, you remember I know. those with the USB Terrible. thing? It was that Terrible. I got that. That was like when that was my Bill Gates PC moment. We're like, no one's going to need more than 512 megabytes of RAM. <laughs> and I'm like, no one's going to need anything better than this amazing device. It's so easy to use. And you know, it was it was it was super easy to use. But yeah, it was it was hot garbage to, to film on. Hilarious, though, man. The things I have done in making YouTube videos. <laughs> okay, so James continues, you should do a video where you take a DIY project that Josh has made a live stream on, then compile a GoPro first person video accomplishing what you set out to do. The ending would be an edited recap of Josh going over the highlights and testing the final product, giving a better description of the technical portion of the project. The kids are always being watched, and we get a cool video from it learning the basics as we go. Well, that's wonderful. He said the kids are always going to be watched, so he's going to come watch them. No, I think his idea is that I do it on my own as a beginner oh. after having watched one of your videos, mm -hmm. right? Linus Tech Tips has something like this, where he has his wife build a PC, and he leaves the room, basically, uh -huh. and then he comes back, and he's like, you know, 
they could they go over what she's done here yeah so then i would then hand over the footage to you you would do uh a reaction video a roast (laughs) and then a recap at the end (laughs) Uh, okay that's not a bad idea i mean it would have to be something she'd want to you'd have to be interested in it otherwise it would be you wouldn't have fun with it right it wouldn't have that I mean, quite honestly, one of the reasons I'm even interested in doing handy ham radio stuff is so that Josh and I are doing something together. Right. right. So uh, this is it, guys. This is it. (laughs) I don't know if you realize that, honey. It's eleven o'clock. We got to go make that video. The kids are asleep. (laughs) Like I just want to sleep. Because if if given the option, I'm going to go do something around the house or spend time with the kids. So unless Josh is sitting down and doing something ham radio related with me, with the exception of leaving my radio on so I can hear some people talk, <laughs> right, on a repeater or something. That's when I, 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 I like turn a radio on, I set it for you, I hand it to you, and I pat you on the head and I walk away kind of thing. <laughs> I've got it all sorted out for you, honey. Go ahead, take it away now. I do really, I haven't buckled down and done the ISS contact. I have not. We, I, have a, I have a radio mm-hmm. that will make that easy, easier. Fantastic. So that's something that is Fantastic. on the list of things to All do. All right. Well, James, you might, you might get what you want here because ISS contact may be on the way for me. <laughs> we're we're going to have to do it in like stages, I think. Yeah. It's also not fair, though, because as... As a tech, like as a new tech, Mm -hmm. because of Josh, I have access to way more than a normal beginner ham would have access to. Sure, but I want to be very clear. I know that there are many technicians who start out as technicians and jump right into satellites. And I think that's great. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Satellites is, even for an experienced ham, very intimidating. It can be difficult to make satellite contacts, even for somebody that is an HF professional, just, you know, knows HF back and forth. You give them a Yagi and you're just like, okay, go make some satellite contacts. And they can be like, I don't know what I'm doing here. It's actually very difficult. So we're probably going to start you out with something like um, APRS beaconing the ISS. We might okay. start out simple, okay. right? Where you're just really going to point the antenna and you're going to let the radio talk basically okay, to the ISS by squawking a beacon at it. Okay. And you'll know because the radio will go, you know. I'm down. Yeah. This can be, we will test this video idea. This, uh, so James says, DIY, set up a radio in the field. He already has a radio. You watch it and take notes. And he has all power pointed up. You take the stuff for SATCOM, whatever project, and put it together the way the concept video describes. Next, Josh comes on with best practice and technical ending slash edited for YouTube. That's a good idea, James. We're going to talk about it on yeah. podcast, though. Because when we get into things like this, we end up talking for a long time. Yeah. Uh, James continues, T-shirt idea, band plan shirts made for the specific class of operator. Each class would only have their specific bands listed. Technician class would be upside down on the front of the shirt, so the wearer could just look down at the shirt to verify proper band That's use. That's funny. General and extra would be made so that they are the reverse image, so they can take a selfie and the image is readable, logo on the back to match class of license. That's not bad. I like the upside down so that you can look at it. 
That's actually this is funny, funny because somebody else requested a bib. Okay. That's especially good then, for field day. But the bib would be the upside down band plan. Right, right, right. So yeah. you're just lifting the bib every time. <laughs> Am I going to get yelled at? Uh, James says, would like to see if OD, Coyote Tan, or FDE can be obtained as the t-shirt color on Resonate, Radiate, Propagate. Black screen print is okay, too. So currently, the Resonate, Radiate, Propagate is, it's lettering on a white um, kind of watercolor type print. It's like a artsy fartsy kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I looked at doing it in black. It did not look good. The the white portion transferring it to black, which is what prevents it from being put on much lighter shirts than we already selected. Oh, okay. So I do not think I can put it on a different color shirt than the options that are already laid out. Because I do check. I right. check what a design looks like yeah. on almost every color before I select the colors that are made available. Right. And even then, I sometimes put things up and I'm like, I, I don't think this looks the best, but I think that some people would prefer this color shirt over any other color it, shirt. It's tough because, you know, we probably sell more black shirts and dark shirts than anything. Sure. And yeah. sometimes the, the things we make don't look good on those. Well, it's not just black, but I mean, military green yeah, right, right, right. is one of those where if the hues that are on the design don't look very good. This is a lot of like how the sausage is made yeah, in yeah. t-shirts right now. So I apologize, James. I don't think we're bringing in OD, Coyote, Tan, or FDE. Uh, coyote. Some of those might work. Flat we, Dark Earth I mean, might work. What's that? Flat Dark Earth. Is FTE. Uh, but if I don't have it available already, it, yeah. I, I could, I, I could, yeah. yeah, we could, we could look offline. James continues studying for general myself and hope to be there before the end of summer. Good luck on your future test. Good luck to you, James. Yeah, good luck. You really got squirreled on the training podcast. <laughs> the slingshot is actually a great idea. You can survive with a slingshot if you must. Love the podcast. Don't change a thing. Thank you, guys. James, K-A-5-O-E-B. The, Did we? The reference to the slingshot was about, I want to say it was uh, Ivan's um, idea to get a line in yeah. a tree. Mm -hmm. So I also think it's a good idea. That uh, that kind of slingshot, though, the, the tree launching antenna slingshot. Mm -hmm. Is not necessarily one that I would like take out to the wilderness to survive with, like killing rabbits mm. and squirrels and stuff. But you know, if you just train birds and squirrels, they can also gather food for you. What are you talking? How much time do you have? You're in a survival <laughs> situation. I'm just saying, like long term, they can get your line up into a tree because mm -hmm. they can get up there really high, and then when they're done, they can go get you food. This is some like enchanted forest Snow White. <laughs> ham radio and survival like crossover <laughs> i will mention though if, if somebody's thinking of i'm just gonna have a slingshot and i'm gonna go survive out in the wilderness kind of thing you, you should probably also offset that with learning snares and traps primitive snares and traps are, will work for you while you sleep do stuff around the, the camp mm. and also hunt yourself 
So instead of depending on only your skills with a slingshot, you should also know how to make squirrel snares and sure. deadfalls and stuff like that. F- fishing nets. Fishing sure. Crab traps. Yeah, you don't have to have um, you don't have to bring <laughs> a fishing net into into the field. You can make a, a fishing trap with sticks uh, and a and a nice. relatively decent stream. Really some primitive survival skills you're talking about right yeah. now. Yeah. Nice. Okay, the next email is titled HRCC Candy and Willet Antenna. And this is from Don. Okay. Hello, Team Ham. I just want to say how much I enjoy the pod. As my subject says, I have three points for today. First of all, the new meaning for HRCC is now the ham radio coffee course. I had been drinking coffee since I was five and had gotten up to at least a pot a day. Is this Steve? But no, it's Don. Is this K5ATA? <laughs> no. <laughs> but due to recent medical issues, I am no longer supposed to drink caffeinated beverages. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry to hear that, Don. Yeah. What what have you switched to? <laughs> what gives you that get up and go? Just what, moonshine, just straight green alcohol. What's hilarious is in the HRCC Discord in the podcast channel. People were sharing their coffee setups. Oh, my God. Sterling emailed and messaged. He DM'd me. Did he really? Oh, what yeah. did he say? He wanted to talk about what he does, which he has a, um, the flat bottom one, the, the one that all, the Chemex. He's the got chem- a Chemex. Okay. Um, everybody has their own way of doing it. I didn't say mine was the best, right? Sure. It's just no, how I, I mean, do it. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's very particular. I mean, yeah. maybe not as particular as you. Maybe some people would be I, I okay would argue Sterling is equally their, as, as particular as I am. Maybe some people are okay with their wife making a pour-over coffee, not to the exact specifications by the second as, I, I was, uh, as you require. I, I was but. fine the first time you did it, and then I drank the <laughs> coffee. And so I just said... I would like to show you my way. And it's not like I popped it into curing or something. I still did a pour over coffee. I understand what you're saying. Okay, please tell me about Sterling, who I'm sure would be very. It was it was similar to mine. Yeah, it, it was it was rather similar to mine. Just a different way of doing it because the uh, the V60 is faster. It the water pulls through faster. Oh, Chemex is much slower. Why? The V60 has a hole, almost this, the diameter of a penny um, oh. in the bottom, and the, the, the draw is much faster through it, versus so, Chemex is like there's holes, just mm, just holes I see. In, in the filter box. So I'm going to put everybody on to how Vietnamese coffee is made. Oh, dude, that's a whole jam, too. Because that's good. this is something that I remember from when I was a kid, and it's a metal container. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a can that has a lip on the bottom for it to sit on top of a cup. We'll post a picture in the Discord podcast uh, channel. Otherwise, this won't make sense to people. And the bottom has a bunch of holes in it. Mm -hmm. And then you put espresso with chicory. It's There is a, yeah, it's an espresso grind, specifically espresso. So it's very fine grind. And then you put, you end up screwing on a press and you're actually pressing the coffee down Mm -hmm. and then you fill up this container it's a small little cylinder it is and then the coffee drips quite slowly actually very slowly so if you get this in like a vietnamese restaurant they have like six of them that are staged that are constantly being like Uh 
and you, you otherwise don't just, you're waiting for a pretty long but, amount but of you time. pour more water in it than just like one full thing usually don't you um it depends because really with the vietnamese coffee it's condensed milk at the bottom of the cup and then one full thing is more than a shot of espresso. It's maybe two shots of espresso. Yeah, about. And the idea is that you're mixing it together and you're pouring it over ice. So then right. the ice melts. Right. And so that's, that's where you get the cafe soda uh, ice. Cafe soda. Just exactly how I said it. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, iced coffee that, that people sometimes get. Now, I don't want... It's literally, that is literally coffee milk ice. Yeah. That is- <laughs> that's, Vietnamese sometimes cracks me up with the, the, the reusing of words. I want to be really clear, though, that that is not an espresso shot. It is, an ex- it is a brewed coffee, drip coffee, sure. that uses espresso coffee grinds. Oh, because it's not forced through. It's, it's not pressurized. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not an espresso shot. So just for anybody that's like feverishly typing right now, that's not real espresso. Sure. Because <laughs> now apparently we can add coffee snobbery to our <laughs> podcast as a thing that we but do. But I highly recommend Vietnamese iced coffee. Oh, it's coffee. so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's one, it's one of my, it is that, one of my favorite things to get at, at Vietnamese restaurants is iced coffee mm-hmm. and the salted plum drink. No mm, question. Salted yes. plum soda is amazing. It's like a lemonade soda because it's got... S- Not the salted lemon. I want the salted plum. Gotcha. I don't okay. like the salted lemon that much. Very so particular. anyways, the, in, the, in the Discord, mm-hmm. people were sharing their setups and somebody shared their grinder. Oh, yeah, yeah, And it had yeah. numbers on it. Mm-hmm. And then above two nods, knobs, it said, no, no. <laughs> don't touch this. I just dialed this in. Don't touch it. But apparently a lot of the HRCC community is doing some pour over action. Yeah, a lot of people are because it's actually inexpensive. Yeah. It's, 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 and it's a really good cup. It is. It's good. You can do um, that whole kit is like 30, 40 bucks. And, and that comes with a carafe. You don't even need that. You can just get the top part and put it right on top of your mug or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're not depending on electricity to do it. It focuses you to, like, do the right thing with the coffee, which is invest more in your grinder and better beans. So a good grinder, I would argue, if you're doing an, a drip extraction, is going to make much better coffee than having some whiz-bang electric machine that does a lot of stuff for you. You're going to get a better – you're going to get a much better coffee if you do a pour-over. Okay. So Don continues, I must agree with Leia. York peppermint patties, JR mints are and such are the best when three musketeers are not available. Yeah, okay, there you go. I, I don't have a problem with York peppermint patties. I have a problem with it being like top tier to you. I, I find that I would eat crazy. a York peppermint patty over a Snickers. Really? Yes. I do really like three musketeers though. There is something about but it, that that's, fluffy interior. It's just, it's just chocolate and nougat. It's delicious. I, I'm, I don't disagree, but believe me. And that it's actually a lower calorie chocolate bar. bar because that's size. what I'm worried about when I'm going to get candy is, boy, I, I want the, the, the lower calorie option. Well, I mean, a lot of people do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I want that. 
I want that 310 calorie job, not that 345. To me, Three Musketeers is the candy bar version of world class chocolate ice cream at Baskin Robbins, which is my favorite ice cream. It's nothing like that. Wow. That I Three Musketeers has a really good mouthfeel too. But I wouldn't put it above Almond Joy in York Pepper. I understand. Yes, I I know that. I know those are top. Mm -hmm. Those are your your those are your (laughs) S tier. I do like Lindor truffles, though. Just one. Oh, yeah. I can't. Just one. I can't really. I really like how milky the interior is. Have you seen the ones that you can buy Christmas time? They're like the size of a bowling ball. I do not want that. That's crazy. Please don't do that. (laughs) Or I think I'm thinking of Fier Rocher. That's the other one that very popular in Christmas time. So Don continues. And on the topic of Yorks, Josh, do you think the rappers would antenna? No, probably not. Because they're plastic. Yeah. Yeah. They just look metallic. I don't think they're actually metallic. Yeah, those are not metallic. If you got like a whole gang of like ding-dongs, uh, you know, like the foil wrappers or like Andy's mints, those are, those are probably all antenna. Okay. But even okay. then, like, it is a very thin amount of metallic, like gum wrappers, right? Gum wrappers mm-hmm. mostly mostly paper. Okay. Very little actual metallic. So you couldn't antenna gum wrappers? You probably could. I, I mean, I've run, I've run like 110 volts through gum wrapper. I'm just going to start chewing some gum every day and keeping the wrappers for you. Okay. I'll even make a wrapper chain for you. No, don't do that. Don't do anything like that. <laughs> just keep the wrappers. That's fine. Let's do that. Don't crumple the wrappers, though. Make no. Them flat. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Make Could you imagine? Flat. I've been chewing gum for a year straight to give you this wrapper. It's just a big ball. Let's start unwrapping. Right. That is, like, definitely, like, the gift of the ma- That's borderline gift of the magi kind of stuff. Uh, Don signs off. 73, the RF field tech, Don, K-E-5-A-D-X. Thank you, Don, for that Thank email. You, Don. The next email is titled York Patties. <laughs> oh, no. Come on. Hello, my gracious host. I had to stop mowing the lawn just to make a comment. My house loves York peppermint patties. My wife keeps a bag of them in the freezer at all times. Yes. Yes. York peppermint ca- patties in the freezer. Very good. But I also like it, them out of the freezer on like a warm day, actually. <laughs> like, I like the unfrozen ones. I on like them when day. I'm skiing in the Alps. <laughs> that was from the commercial. Yes. If you remember back in the day. Junior mints are an excellent snack at any time, and I'm surprised they can handle all the Cali heat and not just form an amorphous blob in the box. Yeah, that is actually, well, it's because it's, it's covered in wax. Carnuba wax. Oh, no, actually, if, if. Uh, oh, actually. Yeah. They do melt. No, <laughs> if I'm you sure for they some do. reason took them home from a movie yeah. without eating the whole box and yeah, then yeah, sitting. Yeah. No, I know, I know. But yeah. most candy has carnauba wax on okay. top of it to help it in that case. Tim says, now you want to talk about loser candies? My father got me hooked on Necco wafers as a kid. Oh, man. You know what's fun about Necco wafers is that if you get tired of eating them, you can go draw something on the sidewalk with them. <laughs> hot hot tip on that. If your kids run out of sidewalk chalk, hand them a bunch of Necco wafers and say, go nuts, kids. How's the color on the Necco wafer? It's is garbage. It, is it vibrant? No. <laughs> no. 
Like if if you like lick it, like the it, they're covered in some kind of powder, cornstarch or something. Right. If you lick it, they're, they're a little brighter. But you know, interesting thing about the Necco wafers, they actually have every one of those like wafers has its own flavor. Yeah. So like the black one is actually like black licorice flavored. Sure. Yeah. Those. Yeah. Yes. My mom flat- would get Necco wafers a lot. I was not a fan. <laughs> The flat, chalky, 1,000-year-old sugar candy. They still hit the spot for me now and again, and I think I'm probably the only person that has purchased them since 1972. <laughs> okay, back What is the to spot? The, the depression spot? Wait, <laughs> the Great Depression spot that I've got in my, in my soul? Well, Tim says, thanks for the beer break, 73, yeah, right K2... TJK. I, I will. I will Thank give you, a solid to Charleston Chew, though. That is an old timey candy bar that's still good. That's the one with the three flavors: chocolate center, strawberry center, or vanilla center. It's kind of like a taffy kind of center, but coated, coated in, in chocolate. chocolate. Yeah, yeah, and it's like a foot long. It's kind of like a big reasons. The you know the chocolate reasons where it's dude like chocolate, chocolate reasons are legit. I know those are such a good game. That is that is like old dad Josh, old grandpa Josh is going to have. I'm not doing that Werther's original stuff. Yeah, I don't none of that. Yeah, but Re- reasons. The, the reasons would be the thing. Yeah, that I would said, be. Oh, you know, I think I'm going to buy a bag of that the next time. I, go I used to do that. I used to eat like I, I would get a bag of them and then like you know, eat them over the course of like a month or two. I know this. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Not that's not a surprise yeah, to me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We have lived together for a long time. <laughs> Whoa. You were there. And you were there? And wow. I think, I think you had them in your office once. And I was like, where did these come from? <laughs> what magic fairy brought this chocolate? It was the first time, actually, I had seen you buy them. And I, it, I could not wrap my mind around the idea that you liked reasons too, <laughs> because not a lot of people do actually. Mm-hmm. So I like them for reasons. You have your reasons. <laughs> so that is a that is a CVS pickup, like that is a CVS pharmacy pickup. You go to CVS pharmacy because you're getting like legit Sudafed, right? You're uh-huh, going to the uh-huh. counter to get okay. legit Sudafed, and you're walking out and you. You tell yourself you're not going to walk down the candy aisle, but you walk down the candy aisle and you see the bag of reasons and you don't want like the little bag. You want the, the, the bonus bag where they're like, Hey, if you buy two, <laughs> it's two bucks off or whatever. And, so you and get now like you that. have a year's worth of reasons. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it, yeah. It's always fun. All right. Thanks, Tim. The next email is titled ham radio, balancing learning capacity and cost. Okay. Greetings, Leia and Josh. Having recently forded the rivers of technician and general licensing. Ooh, good, good Oregon Trail reference there. Oregon Trail's back. Fording the river, Leia. Yes. Never ford the river. Okay. I'm struggling a little to work out my plan for the next couple of legs of my journey. Which sh- summits should I try for and which paths should I take? One major motivator is that I want to use radio as a means of learning some fundamentals about electronics, radio waves, and communications. Okay. These are three areas in which I have zero background or training. My STEM education ended with college freshman calculus and physics. Yeah. But in which most of my colleagues specialize. 
I'm convinced that I will be much more effective and my career will be aided Mm. if I can at least conceptually understand the science. Okay. The idea is in my head that I'll learn more by starting with more basic analog equipment before jumping into SDRs and so on. Another major motivator is that I want to add radio to my emergency preparedness slash self-reliance capabilities. At a minimum, I'd like to be able to communicate with my family in the event of an emergency that disrupts commercial power or communications, and I'm satisfied if that is via CW. Oh, okay. Well, that was... Okay, he just did the magic thing. I'm like, well, we're not... Got big problems. The answer is going to be tricky on this one, but okay, keep going. The third consideration is cost. I know radio is cheap, but I'm working within a budget. Questions. One, would it be fruitful for me to not only design and build an antenna, which I'll obviously be doing, but also buy a kit and build my own radio? Yes. Would I learn about electronics by doing that, or would I just be postponing actual radio operation while I struggle through an intricate and unfamiliar IKEA project? Please note that IKEA is probably the right point of reference for my current engineering competence level. (laughs) Well, I got a problem, because you're not going to build a radio with an Allen key. Yes. (laughs) It's not a hex key to, to put together kids. And Marcus wants to clarify when he said postponing actual radio operation, he should have said postponing actual HF radio operation. The minute I got my license, I ordered a Baofeng and I'm getting comfortable on repeaters along my commute routes. And similarly, my reference to communicating, oh, uh, communicating with family during an emergency, I meant family in New York City, not locally. Uh, Okay, okay. So so really, the message should be understood in the context of HF beyond line of sight. Good. Okay, so that's helpful. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the easiest question right up front. Like, you have things like WebSDR right now that you can go on to WebSDR or KiwiSDR, pull up the map, find a station that you can, you can pull up, and start playing around with receiving radio right now. And the, and the great thing about those SDRs is they go beyond ham, ham bands, so you can listen to the full radio spectrum almost at any time, which is really nice. But if you want to, go buy yourself a, a USB dongle for SDR. There's no reason not to own one of those things. They're like 25 bucks or, or like 32 bucks. Pick one of those up and you'll start to understand how radio frequencies work at the very least. And if you dive into it, uh, you can figure out things like propagation, where the stations are coming from that you're receiving, all that fun stuff. So here's the big caveat of all of this. If you buy a kit, most kits are going to have instructions. Those instructions may not walk you through the process of actually understanding what stages of the radio you're building if you don't go through the process of learning that then you won't learn it there's not necessarily a ton of radio kits that are going to hold your hand and walk you through that whole process so well this is interesting because his second question is if you do think there would be value could you give me any recommendations for where to get a kit that is beginner friendly yeah so the the one that jumps out to me it's the one that we sent to steve k5 ata's uh kids that he teaches no not pixies oh no what did you send we sent the four states qrp crickets oh crickets yeah okay so the cricket is a very simple to build radio and the advantage of that is 
It's on a PCB that's big enough that you can see visibly where the traces are going. And the traces are kind of like consider the wires embedded in the silicon chip or the silicon board that the components are then soldered onto. You could, if you were so inclined, because the instructions do break it out by your, 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 Soldering the receiver stage, you're, re- you're soldering the transmit stage, all that stuff. You could look at the components on those stages and understand what is going on if you took the time to learn it. But this is a lot of like, there's no, no one is pressuring you to learn this stuff. There's no test at the end other than you have a working radio or not. So for a lot of people, it's just a matter of get it working, get it on the air and play around with it kind of thing. Nobody's really stopping necessarily to like learn all the complex things that are going on at that time, but you absolutely could do that. And four state Q, uh, four state QRP radios are generally very good um, at having beginner options and then working all the way up to more complex options like the Hilltopper, which is a nice uh, CW radio. Okay. The third question is, Am I correct that the 40-meter band would be a good choice for communications between Boston and New York City, 300 kilometers? If you had an NVIS antenna, possibly. And by NVIS, we're saying near vertical incident skywave or NV. You know, somebody gave me a hard time about that. Like, it's not NVIS, it's NVIS. You don't pronounce it like a word. If anything, it would be NVIS. Because NVIS makes it sound like the last letter is a Z. So you're you're already a good ham. NVIS. You're already you're already ham. You didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting nitpicky over things that don't matter. So an NVIS antenna is an antenna where the wire is less than one quarter wavelength above the ground, and and theoretically you actually try and get it much lower than that, like four feet high for forty meters, for instance, off okay. the ground, like a dipole antenna. Okay. That would be within 400 kilometers range. But for to do that, you will also then have to have the other side of the conversation also have an antenna set up to do that. The problem is that a dipole on 40 meters is relatively long. And to be able to do that four feet off the ground invites all kinds of things, including critters like deer. Deer will take out NVIS antennas and stuff like that. Really? Oh, yeah. They get them all hooked in their horns and just rip that thing out. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Like beverage antennas get taken out by deer occasionally, depending on where you live. So the the tricky, well, boy, 300 kilometers. What would you do for 300 kilometers? I mean, we're we're rolling into a pretty hot sun cycle. Arguably, you could have like a homemade Yagi antenna for 10 meters on both sides, and you'd be able to talk to each other, no problem. Okay. That's a thought, too. All right. Well, Marcus wraps up. Thank you for all you do. 73, Marcus, KC1PIP. Oh, that in, that uh, also implies somewhat of a line of sight, too, for 10 meter. Uh, uh, I'm saying. Beyond line of sight. No, I know. But, like, okay. if, we're, if we're going that route, you, you get a little bit of both. You okay. Can, you can pull from Great. both columns, but... So we have broken into our second beer of the night. And it's from Founders Brewing. Mm-hmm. It's called CBS. Imperial Stout brewed with chocolate and coffee aged in maple syrup bourbon barrels. Yeah, pretty wild. I saw that. I was like, man, that's a lot of attributes. What is maple syrup bourbon? Is that 
it was probably maple syrup barrels that then were used for maple syrup and they made bourbon out of it. This is just the greenest beer. It's so many. It, so eco-friendly. It's, a, it, it's so many reuses. Lo- love it already. So many R's in the it. chain here. Yeah. <laughs> so when I, when I poured this one out and started drinking it, I got a like, like a snot, like a piece of snot, like a rubbery, sugary little floater thing. Really? Did you eat beer. it? No, it hit my mouth. I'm like, what is going on? And Did I, you and swallow I, it? No, it's in the napkin right here. <laughs> it's in the napkin. It, it's fine. The beer's fine. It, it just, you know, sometimes when they did a big do a big vat, there'll be some kind of thing that collects in the bottom, and it, it probably just got churned up a bit and got. It's a into sweet the beer, actually. It's the maple syrup has really come a long way. Yeah, it's barely though. You, you know, it is uh, bourbon bourbon barrels for sure. So the next email is titled "Sticker Idea." It is not ideal to share on the podcast because it is an image (laughs) i will put it in the discord uh podcast channel link in the description for our discord we have a podcast hrcc podcast chat room where we post pictures that we talk about on the show and we have discussions with the people that listen to the show and all that fun stuff so if you want to check that out the link is in the description if you didn't want to send an email and you wanted to just have a conversation just ping us directly (laughs) I do hop into that group uh, once or twice a day. I, I was going to say that's become kind of your channel. You, you're in that channel more than any of the well, other. Well, because people channels. ping me and then no, I, I come. I do check that channel to see if anybody is uh, talking to me. Is anybody talking to me out there? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm so lonely. Josh is always <laughs> playing with his radios, and the children are ripping the walls off of their house. <laughs> But it is a picture of uh, what looks like a heartbeat, you know, like a EKG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that could obviously be ham radio uh, waves too, right? Mm. Maybe. No, I mean, if it was remade, it's it's a inspiration picture. And it's got a guy hiking to a tent with trees. And I'm not sure. This what- is a sticker. Yeah, here, I'm going to show you the image. There's mountains in the background. And then somebody, I don't know what the thing in the middle is that looks it's like a kayaker. A, a teepee. It's a That's kayaker. That's a kayaker? Somebody with a paddle. Oh. A teepee. I, I went real Native American with that one. And then uh, somebody biking down the wavelength. It's a, it's a pretty cool picture. Uh, it is inspiring. Mm hmm. And I, if I make something with that, Mike, you will get one. Thank you. Right on. It's pretty cool. We could do something. I mean, that's obviously an EKG. That looks like a heartbeat. Yeah. You know? But if you did an actual proper radio wave. Maybe. You would have peaks, you know, mm-hmm. and valleys and stuff like that. That could be useful. Sure. Yeah. Sure can. Oh, okay. All right. The next email is titled, Finding Repeaters on Vacation. And this is from Seth. Dear podcast host and Josh. <laughs> Very good. I've been thinking Got the name about right. That's a good. That's a plus. But they left out my name entirely. Who's the host? <laughs> I have been thinking about an email from the uh, June 4th, 2021 episode where someone asked about tips for finding repeaters while traveling. One possible solution would be for a site like repeaterbook.com. We mentioned that. To add Amazon style product reviews for each repeater listed on the site. Oh, for like example, give it a five star. 
I could leave reviews slash ratings for repeaters in my area that are active and also for repeaters that I know are active in areas that I often travel to. 73's Seth KF0FCF. Thanks, Seth. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah, that is a good idea. I would really love to know before I program a repeater into <laughs> my Baofeng whether or not it's worth programming. I, I think, well, kind of, sort of. I, I understand where he's going with that. The problem is that most people just query from repeater book. We don't actually go to the website very often. We just use Chirp to pull all that stuff in and just get on with our life. But if you're looking for repeaters in an area, that would be helpful. Nobody minds going to a website. That's true. No, that, that is framed the right way because usually when I go to an area, I start scanning. Mm-hmm. And if I hear a repeater... I then look up that frequency mm-hmm. in the city that I'm in sure. or the county that I'm in. And then that leads me to inevitably back to repeater books. So that's good. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. Good idea, Seth. Thank you. The next email is titled 11 Meter Correspondent. Mm. This is from Drew. All right. Hello, Leah and Josh. I hate to start things out on a dark note, but you are wrong about York peppermint patties, Josh. I'll hear no more of your nonsense. (laughs) I had no idea that so many people liked York peppermint patties, particularly in the correspondence uh, tower Because they are delicious. No, they're not. They are. It's an after-dinner mint. It's an after-dinner mint. I am not I mean, theoretically, every time up until you eat dinner could be considered (laughs) after-dinner. I've been fasting... For 20, <laughs> 20 hours. Until it is before dinner and then dinner. Well, before dinner is technically after dinner if you haven't That's ate. true. Yeah, exactly. On a lighter note, I never felt like you had anything against CB. Oh, okay. I simply wanted to stress how easy it is to get access to HF. Of course, after you pointed out that techs have access to 10 meters at much higher powers, I feel like maybe that's a moot point. Keeping track of who has access to what is one of the hardest things for me to keep straight. Yeah. Drew, you and me both. At the same time. Got him! (laughs) I'm just kidding. Anyway, thank you, Josh. Uh, Thank you both, Josh and Leah, for quality content. Josh, as far as your YouTube videos go, I can watch them. I just struggle with it. Of course, I am the ADHD poster child. So being able to listen to a podcast and do 10 other things at once is is always going to work better for me. Oh, so I've got the best solution for you then. It's called an iPad. What? It's called an iPad or a tablet, whatever. You just start playing the video and then you go do all the little squirrely things you do. That's what I do. You watch me walk around the house all the time. I have my iPad. I'm going you to the set garage. It down, I and set it down do something. and I'm doing a ton of yeah. other things at the same time. Always, always. I, I'm starting to think you think I have ADHD though. I don't because think you do. You keep sending me TikToks of ADHD things. I sent you one because I thought it was funny. It was a joke. It just... I felt you know, personally you, attacked. You felt personally attacked because it probably you found it things very, that relate to you. The, but that's also really what TikTok does is that they tell you things about <laughs> things that you don't think you are. But then you're like, that's me. Actually, that actually TikTok me. did convince me that I have ADHD. But you know what also convinces everyone that they have ADHD? Hmm. WebMD. 
which oh i thought you were gonna is, say having adhd no. <laughs> you know what convinces you you know <laughs> you what convinces you is if a you doctor's diagnosis <laughs> yeah it's very specific yeah you go to somebody who went to college for eight years and they tell you you have adhd and you're like oh shucks <laughs> TikTok I had me think, thinking I wasn't. I, I, I am convinced I have ADHD, though. But that's my diagnosis I don't to give you myself. Do. Not I don't for you, you to TikTok me into it. I don't believe you do. Why? I don't think you are as, like, nutso as I am. Oh, you think you have ADHD? I'm, I'm f- confident I am further down the ADHD road than you are. Straight up. We're going to have an ADHD off. What does right that now. mean? What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'm sure I can find a quiz. But, or I, 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 or I could go, quiz. or That's... I could go to a psychologist, I guess, a mental health professional. Someone whose job me. it is, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make you an appointment. I'm going to make me an appointment. And we're not going to tell them we're married. It's going to be the same psychologist. They're going to think how weird two people with the this same last name. random woman made you an appointment. <laughs> And you I said, yeah, listen, Doc, so here's insurance. what I need you to do. Um, we're going to make a cake. <laughs> and we need to know if the inner inside of the cake is going to be blue or pink. <laughs> if it's blue, I've got the ADHD. ADHD reveal party. <laughs> we must set something on fire. Well, I was just going to say. and then, But also, you have to ha- uh, bake a trip mine into it. Doctor, if you need to consult a professional on this, I have a myriad of people that you can contact. But we need a flare uh, that can fire off at least 300 feet. Yes. Um, and then it, it needs to be a parachute flare, though. So it needs to come back to Earth still on fire. Very important. <laughs> All right. <laughs> On the bright side, I have been interested in this oscilloscopes for some time. So I did watch your live stream with the ham radio workbench guy oh, whose name I George. can't remember. George. And I, and I, I will not. That. George, all love and respect. I am horrible with last names and I butchered his last name on the, the live stream. I felt so bad. Why did you do that to George? I, I, I felt so bad. <sighs> And and literally before you. we started the stream, I was like, George, explain to me how I say your last name. And we got to it and I just totally blanked it. He has a Greek last name? Yeah, it's Greek. It's very long, right? Uh, Well, I mean, I would argue that it was average for a Greek last name. Okay, but... fair enough. I mean, I come from Chinese, Vietnamese last names. So yeah. There's three to four, maybe five letters. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you remember when I... <laughs> Do you remember what I told you that horrible racist joke that somebody told me when I was like in school about how they named Chinese children? That's a bad joke, and you're not going to no? tell that on okay. the podcast. No, okay. Yeah, I was like, Leah, not- this is messed up, right? When I told you this, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna spread. But I think you racist jokes. I no, didn't. Okay. I didn't. Okay. Do you see my face now? I see your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I Drew never continues. told that joke. I just want to be really clear. <laughs> you told it to me. <laughs> you told it to me. Uh, Drew continues. Uh, I enjoyed that. And I also discovered the Ham Radio Workbench podcast mm. as a result of it. And I confess I enjoy it and learn quite a bit listening to it. I particularly enjoyed their antenna conversation in one of their more recent episodes. Heck yeah. Great Drew, podcast. You are a fan of long podcasts, yeah. aren't you? <laughs> you? I just want to feel like 
people are talking at me, and I cannot say anything to them for <laughs> three to four hours. It's really well, you can always talk back to the podcast. We're not going to hear you unless you email right, to right, us. Right, 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 right. I like to listen to p- three people, three to four people. The, this is the ham radio workbench. I've okay. got like a panel. I like to listen for like three or four hours. And then I just scream <laughs> for the entire time they're talking to drown out the noise of them, how wrong they are. That's I, I guarantee really you people do that with our podcast. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Especially during the test. Session. Yeah. Yep. We're going to mix that up today too, guys. This ought to be great. Uh, Drew continues, I would also like to point out that I have, in fact, gone exactly against your advice on one thing. I actually did order the ARR handbook and have been reading them as part of my study regimen for my ticket. Wait, what did I say not to do that? I don't know. I totally support getting the ARR handbook. I have no problem with that. I think it was a joke you might have made. Maybe, but I'm totally on board. Go that straight is the to Bible. testing. I, I, oh, you know, no. What I told people is that um, they can often find a, like, 2018 revision or 19 revision, mm-hmm. and it's much cheaper than the 2021 current model that's sure. out. Okay. And it's almost the same content. Great. Some of it is a bit dry. Some of it is fascinating. I suppose everyone has to learn their own way, though. But rest assured, this podcast will continue to be part of my entertainment and learning on ham radio as long as you both continue to make it. He he told me that he has he he mentioned ADHD. So I'm just imagining him like holding the textbook, trying to work the CB radio and listening to a podcast (laughs) at the same time right now. And then with with sheer ADHD brain power, muting two of the things so that he's just <laughs> looking at the one thing as all this noise, this cacophony of stuff is going on in the background, and then it can just switch at a moment's notice. And you've just never felt closer to anyone. <laughs> the CB guy, turns yes. out, is, uh, is a true brother of mine. <laughs> Drew. <laughs> Josh's soul brother. <laughs> soul brother. Okay. <laughs> and Drew signs off. 73 Drew, a.k.a. Trailhound290, Middle Tennessee. Right on. Thank you for emailing. The next email is titled, Quick Noise Floor Reporting Question. And this is from Casey. Here we go. Josh, everyone is talking about noise floor levels, but couldn't they all be skewed based on different radio settings such as AGC, RF gain, preamp, attenuator, etc.? An RF gain cranked up to 11 would clearly give a false impression and make a situation look worse than it is. When you report on your noise levels, what are your standard reference settings? I appreciate this will vary radio to radio, but I am trying to find out if there is a proper standard among hams. Oh, yeah. It's it's very simple. It, it's AGC is just zero. No, no. So the RF gain only usually takes away. Um, and then there's a, just a standard, just the standard center position. There's usually like a detent where it gets to the center position. And it kind of just like clicks for a second, right? And then if you go the other direction, a lot of radios will go to like squelch. You don't want to mess around with that. So you set that AGC to just center. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I'm thinking of RF gain. AGC, I set to, I don't know, if I'm doing single sign band, I set it to slow or medium or auto or something like that. 
all the other things are turned off. No noise blanker, no noise reducer, no DSP, anything like that. All of it goes off. You're talking just raw audio out of the radio. That gives you the baseline. And yes, some radios are going to be more sensitive than others. Totally true. But if you take that as the baseline, that's kind of accurate. If you went radio to radio, you'd get kind of a similar thing. Okay. Yeah. Casey signs off regards KCKF0AAC. Thank you, Casey. <clears throat> the next email is titled Questions and Comments. And this is from Victor. Hi, Dragonborn Leia and House Carl Josh. <laughs> house Carl. What is House Carl? Like a house elf? Well, no. Dragonborn is Khaleesi's house. Mm. House Carl is something. It's got to be some kind of meme I don't know about. I'm going to look it up right now. Oh, you're so excited. New memes. House Carl. You guys are so much fun. I never get bored listening to your podcast. Never. Doesn't matter the topic. You make it fun. Oh, that's Doesn't awesome. Doesn't matter you. how long either. Thank you so much, Victor. No, sorry. Dragonborn is um, Skyrim. Not Khaleesi. That's not the same thing. I was mixing my fantasy genres. Sure. Dragonborn is the character you play in Skyrim. He's Dragonborn. That's why he can speak the dragon words. House Carl is an actual thing. I am like the Aquaman. Oh, it's a title bestowed upon a the bodyguard of an important person. Oh, so you, very yeah. smart, Victor. Yeah, very well good. done. Yeah, you, you went all... over my head. I I didn't complete <clears throat> Skyrim. You didn't. I didn't. You played for a while though. I did. I always get sidetracked in in weird completionists. That's an that is an ADHD thing. I get. I don't want to advance the story beyond like totally fleshing out the map that I'm on. Oh. Like, I want to go to all the little dungeons, uh-huh. like anything that pops up, like, oh, I haven't explored that yet. I got to go kill some rats. Yeah, this- just like me and uh, Animal Crossing. <laughs> you filthy casual. <laughs> I get really into the island I'm on, and I don't want to go to other islands, you know? <laughs> That's just filthy casual talk. And I don't, I don't want to talk to the villagers because, like, well, but they're going to not- tell me to so do things. that is not an ADHD thing at all. An ADHD thing is where you're min-maxing your villagers that you want to keep. You talk to them so they mm. won't leave, and you are snide to the ones you want to leave. That was a whole game in Animal Crossing. My sister and I, she would tell me, she's like, we hate so-and-so, and we want this one to stay. Why? So we what, would only, what is there not to like about the villagers? Because we were always trying to level up the villagers to get, like, the best ones. Because there's, like, the super top-tier ones? villagers. What? There's villager rankings? Yeah, because villagers will leave and new villagers will come in. But you have to, like... You have to like you have play to the harass social, them a little. You have to play <laughs> the social media. You got to like gift them stuff and talk to them and send them letters and all that garbage to like they make leave? them stay or they leave. Yeah. Oh, I've been ignoring them so they oh, they'll give me they'll... side quests and they haven't gone anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Animal Crossing now is weird. I don't understand. I ran crafting. into a ghost who gave me a side a quest. Ghost. And I'm just like, I don't want to collect your body parts. Like, that's a side quest in Animal Crossing. Okay. All right, but I mean, sure, Skyrim, I guess, is real gaming. (laughs) Tabletop 40K is real gaming. (sighs) 
All right. Well, Victor continues. I'm going to be 70 years old next month. And no, I am not one of those grumpy old guys. And I have been getting in shape for some semi-soda activities. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Well done. I loaded my backpack with what I thought would be what I need and then do a couple miles on the treadmill with the incline set higher. Dude, that's smart. smart. That's very smart. I'm feeling pretty good about the progress. Unfortunately, being in Colorado, we have to bring a few more things for weather production. Colorado's legit. The soda, it's already a mile high. And then the soda summits are way higher. Yes. Because we get adventurous weather at any time here. This is what I'm talking about. People slam California for whatever reason. But the weather here doesn't kill you. There are very good reasons why people slam California. I said for whatever reason. Okay. Yeah, uh, but there there are uh, many positives. I think that many people are unwilling to look beyond the negatives to see the positives. And I'm I'm going to be honest. I have looked at, you know, when houses you not honest? in other cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Wait, other cities in California? Oh, no, or? other, other okay, states. Good. Yeah, okay. Right? And every time I look at, because Colorado is a hot spot. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's not deny there's lots of Californians fleeing to Colorado. I, I told you, I like Colorado Springs. I would move to Colorado Springs. You would? I would. By yourself. <laughs> but every, I, time, I like every time I look at Colorado, I think, man, you've got to winterize things. Like, your pipes aren't safe. <laughs> <you>. My pipes. <laughs> Leia wakes up in a cold sweat in Southern California. Yeah. My pipes, my pipes. I have not winterized my pipes. And if I if I forget to be appropriately dressed, I could lose a limb, or like at least I, a toe or something. I I don't know. Maybe I, I'm over dramatizing. I think you don't know. It. Yeah, I think you don't know. Actually, I think you're you're. But we did go to Minnesota in October, and there was snow on the ground, and it was quite cold. It was qu- so your your experiences with cold is like when we go to my dad's. And that's very cold. That gets that gets appreciably cold. Yeah. But you'd be surprised if that was like your every day. It's not that difficult to deal with. The problem is is the kids. Wrangling the kids and doing all that stuff. Is Snow just like, suits oh every God. day? No, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. So Victor continues, after each session, I see how else I can reduce the weight of my pack. Right on. Anyway, one of the things I am looking to cut down is on the weight of the coax to my buddy stick antenna. Mm-hmm. I'm using a Shegu G90, and I was wondering how short I can make the coax and still not fry myself. The sun here does a great job already. I'm also going to switch to RG316 coax. Okay, good. Will that work okay? Yeah. That is my ham question for now. Uh, yeah, there's another one that escapes me. I'll look it up while we're while we're talking here. Uh, there is a version of oh, it's my computer that's doing the beep, and I don't know why. Hmm. So that's weird. There is a version of coax. Where did it go? That is three six. Uh, yeah, three sixteen. He mentioned three sixteen. RG three sixteen coax. That's what that's, that's what you one? want to use. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So how far do you go? Because the buddy stick. That's a good question. Um, I don't know that I would take that any further than 20 feet. Okay, so 20 feet of RG316 And I'm not even sure what kind of losses you might get at 20 feet. Okay. You might want to look into that. Go, go pull up uh, Go pull up 213. 
uh, or sorry, 315, 316, and look up the the loss charts when you're when you go to the company's website that makes the coax. Mm-hmm. They'll have a chart that corresponds to loss over over distance. Uh, go look that up. Okay, well, Vic continues on Skyline Chili. Oh, we got an update on that. <laughs> we got a big update. At $5 a can here in Colorado, I started making it myself using a recipe from Chef John on his YouTube channel, Food Wishes. Look up Food Wishes and Cincinnati Chili. Food Wishes is a fantastic food channel. I love that channel. He is so down to earth. Is he the guy that has the glasses and like the ponytail? I only I only hear his voice when I think food wishes. I'm trying to think of the guy that Uncle Roger, the white dude that Uncle Roger was like his fried rice was good. Like he he oh, was that was Gordon Ramsay. No, no, mm. it was the white guy, the like nerdyish white guy that has glasses. Mm, no, uh, you're thinking about that TikTok guy that has no, like no, he has wiry... a YouTube channel. He's he a has YouTube a YouTube channel. Ch- it's I think Josh Weissman maybe. Okay, is his name? His his fried rice was legit. Yes. very complicated. Mm-hmm. Uncle Roger was not too high on the overcomplicated. Yes, fried you've rice. seen me make fried rice. Yeah, it no, is it's so a easy. one walk. Yeah, that's it. It's a one walk deal. It takes less than an hour and is fantastic. I make double batches, one for dinner and lunch, and another for the freezer, and I don't have to be cheap at all with dishing it out. Nice. At five dollars a can, that would be saving radio money in no time. That's the type. That's what I'm talking about. That's the comment that I like to hear. I heard somebody today actually say that the point of being frugal isn't to be cheap with everything. It is being, it is spending extravagantly on the things that you love and mercilessly cutting everything that you don't. Yeah, there, there was somebody, I don't know where I heard this from a long time ago, particularly when we talk about food. And um, for white people, cultural food of other nations. Oftentimes, when we're eating the food of like other nations, we're kind of eating their celebratory food. We're eating food that is like Mm. for a special occasion. Not like Panda Express, though. Oh, yeah, totally. That's not celebratory food. Honey walnut shrimp is something that people get like on the regular. That's a new addition. No, it's been around for a long time. No, I mean, honey walnut shrimp. But, but hear me out. Hear yeah. me out. You're telling me that Chinese people will go get like a super sauced pork or chicken dish on the daily. I mean, yeah, braised dishes are very common. No, I'm talking like the orange chicken, whatever that, is, that parallel like exists. Authentic, I know, yeah. but whatever parallel would exist. Yes. There's no parallel yes. that totally exists there. You would. You would? Yeah, Every you day? would take you would take a, a meat mm-hmm. and you would velvet it, okay. which is fry it uh yes uh, okay not exactly but yeah you would fry it first and then you would stir fry it with sauces and then you do a a cornstarch slurry yeah i I don't know i I have the opinion that most of the time we're eating these like calorie dense high celebratory foods on the regular and most of the time we don't like we're constantly trying to like keep up this super entertaining foods yes and i don't know that we need to do that most of the time I don't know. You seem pretty disappointed when I gave you an egg salad sandwich today. So <laughs> I ate a ton of it. And also, that's super calorie dense, though. It's egg, egg salad though. sandwich? Egg salad. But it was from a Jewish deli. It was quite good. I know. Yeah, no question. <laughs> it was very good. 
<laughs> so Vic continues. <laughs> On like, another note. You know, calorie, a non-calorie dense food. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Egg salad. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. I mean, otherwise, it's just salads and... Well, okay, to no, clarify... like a simple rice dish with, like, a meat that's not sugar-basted and, and super sauced up, right? Like, yeah. that's going to okay. be much less calorie. Like, your normal fare, like, if we were just eating the way you would normally cook, would yeah. be, like, broccoli or some kind of vegetable, maybe a soup, also not very calorie, yeah. ridiculously dense, mm-hmm. and then a protein of some kind. Mm-hmm. And it would be probably served with rice. But, it would have to be served with rice. But it's not it's not like some sauced up crazy stir fried thing that you cooked, chopped up, and then redid. You know what I mean? It would just be like a thing. Mm. Even I would argue that even like uh, your way of making like chow su pork is much less calories than if you got like sweet and sour pork or something that chow was chopped pork up. Chow su pork is not sweet and sour pork. I huh? understand, but I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to paint a narrative here of like what is loosely related to what white people would generally go eat. Sweet and sour pork is pork nuggets that are fried and then covered in a sugar sauce. That's yeah. That's not a. That's not a. There's not really a close parallel to Chinese broccoli food. beef is probably close to what a home like most close to a home dish because you wouldn't you, wouldn't you don't really fry and then so, like hardcore sugar sauce like most not a dishes. sugar sauce but you would do a sauce but it wouldn't be sh- like extra super on top calories right 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 but that's like all pan express is is like super over i would top. argue that the sugary sauce is not celebratory <laughs> <laughs> okay fine it's just how they had to adopt recipes for the American palate. Sure. Yeah. Because we want this to taste like chicken nuggets and sweet and sour sauce. So thank you. That's what I'm trying to get to is that <laughs> the, these cultural dishes we think are, are traditional aren't. They're, they're dishes that people are making because it's like super whiz-bang flavors to appeal to Americans. Yes, yeah. It's not what you would necessarily go No, I feel eat. like Indian food is not celebratory Indian food either. They just put ghee on every. They just cook everything with ghee. Well, no, I I think, uh, <laughs> uh maybe. maybe. I don't know, man. I, but hmm. you know, a ton of their dishes are like vegetarian to begin with. What about Mexican food, though? That's those aren't celebratory dishes either. Tacos and enchiladas. I'm trying to think of like, like every quinceanera I've ever been to is like pretty about the norm like that's pretty normal but that's not also i mean that's adjacent to our country you know what i mean like Mm. it's i'm not saying that we manipulated what about schnitzel oh actually do you know there's like a really weird celebratory no there's this now we're going to go down a big rabbit hole but um so one of my mentors was a german guy Mm -hmm. and he would always tell me that like to, to Americans, you take a bratwurst and you put it on a big piece of bread, like a loaf of bread. Right. That's not necessarily how it's a done. A bun, not like a loaf. It's a bun. But to hit, from his point of view, it is a loaf because how <laughs> they would have a little piece of bread to hold. The piece of bread was to hold the, 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 the so bratwurst. So your fingers wouldn't get dirty? So your fingers wouldn't get dirty. Huh. It wasn't a bun that you consumed with the bratwurst. It was just a thing that was used to be clean without it necessarily being a whole complex knife and fork Will they eat the bread, though? 
Yeah, but it was like a little, it was like two pieces of bread. It was like a little piece of rye that folded over the top and ate it, right? That's how I'm going to serve you brats from now on. No buns. Just a little piece of bread. Again, I'm not trying to challenge myself (laughs) here. I'm just pointing out what I, you know, have learned over the years of, of doing life. What about Korean food? What about Korean food? It's cold as hell in Korea. No, but I mean, like, sundubu is not a celebratory food. People make sundubu at home all the time. I, 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 we are out of school on this one because neither one of us are Korean. So I don't know what traditional Korean dish, like a Korean sundubu like would be. Banchan. No, I appreciate. But also, the banchan is not, like, super caloric. Those are all fermented Oh, you're dishes. focused on calories. I'm talking about the food experience. But, but that's what I'm saying is a lot of celebratory meals are these super calorie dense, like super over the top dishes. Yeah. And we eat it on the regular in America. Like, oh, this is normal. This is fantastic. I don't know. Like Filipino food. I don't think it's, it's not like we're ordering boodle fights all the time or something. Well, but even when we were doing Filipino. Let me clarify. A boodle fight, which is not a It's boodle, where you punch somebody while you fight. eat lechon. It's the it's the meal that is laid out on banana leaves and it's the whole just, table is covered in banana leaves. Yeah, it's a banana leaf runner with rice on top, and then everything's put on top of it. So straight up, remember when we were doing those videos the eating the bombs. Filipino food? Yeah, how many Filipino people from the Philippines would comment and say, "You better be careful with that." Oh, because there's a lot of pork, a lot of cholesterol. So I'm. I'm of the belief that they probably don't eat that way every day. Right. What's really funny is today I saw a TikTok uh, from a Filipino podcast, and they were basically saying that gout is like super a, prevalent. Yeah, but it's it's a it's like I've got gout. I'm proud to be Filipino. Mm. Now I'm a tito, which is like a, a Filipino An uncle. uncle. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it does have a lot to do with the amount of pork belly. Super. Well, organ it. meat in general oh, can get you gout. so delicious. It is. Dude. Yeah. I'm going to turn you this into a Filipino podcast. If you haven't had Filipino food, it, you need to but go like good Filipino food. lechon. I, I'm not even talking about like pancit or... No, you know what the best, like crispy pata. No, like crispy pata. Really? Is like, oh, it's like one you, of my favorites. You don't... I don't normally order that. Crispy pata is like number is one of my favorites. Obviously, a good lechon. Sisig is very good. But most of the time when we get lechon, it's always like lechon kawali, Mm -hmm. which is like day after lechon. It's not fresh lechon. Lechon fresh is the sisig is what you do with leftover lechon. Right, you pan fry it, which is literally what kawali translates into in Tagalog. It's so good. Imagine deep fried. Pork belly. Oh my god! For everybody it's who hasn't had bananas. Filipino food, it is bananas how good it is. And if you don't like spicy food, the Filipino people are open arms welcoming you to enjoy their cuisine because it is They're not like, spicy. We will not challenge you with spice. We're not. It's not going to give you anything scary. It's so good. It is so good. So good. Well, I'm. I'm just going to move on. We got to talk on. about food forever. We could talk about that. So Vic continues, on another note, last month when you and Josh were discussing the rebranding of Ham Radio, you sparked my thinking by something you said. You, Leah, mentioned how Ham Radio needs to be viewed from how it fits in a person's life. That got me thinking and rethinking 
what I've been doing and helped me make some happy adjustments on how to how ham radio fits in my life. What do I want to do with this hobby? Earlier, I used the term semi soda, because I want the actual hike and the ham radio to share my day. I don't want to climb a peak or get in the outdoors only recognized poda at only recognized poda sites. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my day has failed if I don't get the prescribed contacts. The hike is a blessing in itself, especially at 69 years old. And after a heart attack, and any contacts I make will be the whipped cream cherry and nuts on top of that. That is a really great perspective. It is very good. I was frustrating myself trying too hard to fit myself into the soda and poda rules. A peak I wanted to climb again was on the soda list, and then it disappeared, and I was really bummed. But oh, who you knows? should contact the soda admins on those, by the way. You, you should con- you should why, reach out. As to why they're disappearing? No. So you should contact them and say, hey, like, this is a public mountain, or it's a public location. Mm-hmm. I can get up there anytime I want. You know, let them know that they erroneously took it offline. Okay. They, they're not necessarily doing that on purpose. Okay. And if you're, you know, because again, soda is generally, I believe, managed in uh, in the UK. They have they have American managers and whatnot, but most of those people are probably not in your area, so you you might want to reach out to them. Okay, Vic says, but who knows? I may get to being a real soda poda, and I would like to eventually. But right now, being too competitive and trying to clear some of those hurdles was causing too much concern and delaying getting out and enjoying radio with what I've got. Mm -hmm. Thanks for the brilliant dialogue between you and Josh on that subject. Well, you're welcome. And thank you for those that for sharing your story about that's, it's just so inspiring. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love the way you're going about it. I think that's a great way to go. But I, I totally agree with this Mm -hmm. in that, Ham radio has so many different facets. If you're trying to do it all. You can't. Yeah. And I mean, there's only so much time in the day. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. I'm constantly banging my head against the wall with, with that, with that fact. I'm like, I don't have enough time in the day to do all the myriad of things that I want to record a video on. Yeah. And play ham radio and do all that fun stuff that I want to do. There's just not enough time. So the the best thing you can do is just have a good day sometimes. Go yeah. out, set up simply, and, and make maybe set your goal to make a contact. It doesn't even have to be many contacts. It could just be get to a point where you're comfortable with your with your with your station, setting up portably and being being happy that you're able to set it up. I mean, it's it's like going fishing, right? After you get through all of it, like your worst day of fishing is still better than a day at work is always the argument. The same thing should be for ham radio. Like you should feel good about just setting up and getting out there. So every time I hike up somewhere, mm-hmm. right? I've done the Mount Lee hike and I've done the Mount Hollywood hike. Mm-hmm. And all you do when you get up to the <coughs> peak of the mountain, you're like, look at this view. Take a right? selfie. Yeah, you take some pictures and then you go back down. Mm-hmm. Ham radio gives you something to do at the peak. And the fact that you can do something up there and you're adding one more experience, who cares if you didn't officially activate it? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it 
it's a whole adventure kind of like it and living with Josh, I have seen how he integrates ham radio into everything. And sometimes I give him a hard time about it, of course, because there's only so many things you can do at once. (laughs) But so I have flat out told him before, like when we go to the beach, whenever we go to the beach, he always brings a full blown ham radio setup. We did a bonfire, which required us to show up to secure the bonfire site. And I was, it was like, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And we had to get there at like five in the morning mm-hmm. to secure the site yep. because it in the summer it's insane to get a, a bonfire pit. And then he just set this was up pre-COVID. and operated all day. He he had his own easy app. <laughs> yep. He had his table, his radios, and everything. And the last time we went to the beach, I basically told Josh, I'm like, I don't want you bringing a setup. I want to go to the beach and travel light, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because I used to also haul out like a full wagon full of stuff. And now I'm like, minimal snacks. We're not bringing chairs. We're just going to do blankets, no tent. Mm -hmm. Just put some sunscreen on and we're just going to hang out on the beach. And uh, and I told you, I was like, I don't want this full-blown thing. And I think you still brought a handy talkie, which is fine. Oh, no, I had a full thing in the backpack. Yeah, but you didn't set it up. I didn't set it up. Yeah. (laughs) But I had it. (laughs) Just want you to know I had it. I didn't know that. Yeah, well. But it didn't require pulling out a wagon or anything for it. Oh, by the way, uh, that setup when we had the bonfire, that was also in a backpack. I don't usually pack a kit that won't go in a backpack. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Except for everything you need, the accoutrements for you to be comfortable while you're operating. I brought a big hat. Like the, need, the the sea, the camping chair, up. the table, the, the shade. I have the camping chair that fits in my backpack, and the right, table was a backpack table. I got all these things covered, okay. man. We talked about this. I've got it covered. <laughs> and I think you know, part of it is just being comfortable having a setup you can carry. Yes, right? that's yeah. that's easy to deploy. Easy to deploy is actually paramount to to being in a in a spot where you feel like you can you can just set up you can just do it yeah and it makes you want to get outside and and make it happen if you've got all these like steps and complicated stuff that you can do yeah you you can set it up and you will but your the amount of time that you'll take it out and and get on the air is probably less because yeah. eventually you're just gonna get like bogged down by it and the other thing you do is you leave your radios on like it's a police scanner well no the police scanner is on all the time yes but you also when you get home and you want to operate sometimes you just turn it on i do do that occasionally yeah like if there's a frequency i'm listening to or something like that i'll just leave it on yeah in the car too Mm -hmm. that's like one of the first things you do you cue up your radio Mm -hmm. to whatever yep yep so I, I think there are a lot of easy ways just to integrate it into your life if that's something yeah, absolutely. that you want to do. Yeah. Uh, Vic signs off, keep up the fantastic worth. You both do really more for we listeners than you can imagine. Vic K0PUP. Thank you, Vic. That's so nice. And you know what? 
semi soda. It's a soda. It's a yeah. It's it's fine. just because you didn't activate by making the number of contacts doesn't mean you didn't hike a soda. Right, and you still got contacts in your logbook. That's your logbook. Yeah, those are contacts you made. So well done. Yeah. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. The next email is titled "Comfort with Failure," and this is from Bill. Hi, Josh and Leia. You guys almost make me wish I still had a two-hour each-way commute. Oh, my gosh. It's fun listening to the occasional ham radio topic mixed in with your domestic squabbles, child-rearing challenges, food drink reviews, and prepping tips. (laughs) Thank you, Bill. That's so nice. Josh, you hit a nerve when you guys were talking about folks needing to be more comfortable with failure. There seems to be a little frustration in your voice with trying to get more folks uh, just to go for it and experiment and not be afraid of failing. I understand the feeling. It took me many years and an occasional reminder from my wife of over 40 years to drive home the fact that not everyone is wired the same way, that we are born with certain personality traits and those traits can be nurtured, but I'm not sure they can be taught. I have tried over the years, both at work and at home, but it's a square peg in a round hole problem. For example, my wife, very intelligent lady, continues to remind me that when it comes to technology, she just wants magic. She wants to reap the benefits of the technology, but has no desire to understand how it works or how to fix it when it doesn't. Just magic, please. For me, a broken thing is a puzzle to be solved. For my wife, it's an annoyance. And yes, ham radio is a technical hobby, but the tech used to be a lot less complicated. The learning curve for the hobby today is much steeper. Making all the pieces work together is part of the fun for me. But like my wife, lots of hams just want magic. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need both types in our hobby. And just maybe if those of us who like making things work provided more magic, we could expand our numbers a bit more or at least get the existing folks more engaged. I think about what we could achieve if every ham ran their own Arden mesh node. So interestingly, I asked Josh a question today that really aligns with what this is mm-hmm. um and it's going to be the topic later today right so i think maybe we're not going to get too much well i don't know maybe because i think i don't know i felt like he was kind of implying that i said we should all be driven by experimentation and failing and that there aren't people that are just they just want to be a consumer of a product i did not imply that um i know that there are people who just want to buy a radio and just use it and and they're fine with that i have no problem with that Mm -hmm. but my argument was based squarely on people who build up walls of in the sense of purity and sanctity of radio and doing it the perfect way that prevents them from even trying anything right that was the point i wasn't talking about the individuals that are ham radio operators that just want to buy an HT and have it work or just want to buy an HF radio and just have it work. They were never even a part of this discussion. It's purely the people that want to learn all these things. They say they want to learn all these things, but then they create this very complex rubric of getting from point A to point knowledge Mm -hmm. where they're unwilling to put themselves into a position where they will fail. And 
that's the that one of to your me. big mantras has always been um what is it uh is it it's not it's like almost the opposite of good is the enemy of great no no that is it that it's the opposite of that yeah it's the opposite yeah of great is the enemy of good and you believe that if people keep trying to shoot for perfection they'll never achieve anything because you just need to start yeah because so it's it's it, it's and it's it's connected to the Dunning Kruger effect. If anybody is familiar with that, the Dunning Kruger effect is this curve where people, as they get started in the way of education, you see this a lot with like college students. When they get to the point of having a couple classes under their belt, they start to spout off of all this knowledge that they have in this area, and they're at the peak of what they call the Dunning Kruger effect, where as they learn more, they realize they really know nothing. Or they know very little in the in the great chasm of the complexity of the thing they're learning. Well, we're talking even before that. Like we're talking about where people have the end goal in mind and they, they cannot start because they're petrified of having a problem with having something go wrong in mm-hmm. in the process of them getting to that to that great goal that they have. Right. In not mind. wanting to fry their equipment. Right. And the, the reality is that sometimes you just have to remind yourselves that most of the components that, that you may be dealing with if you're building a kit or whatever is not that expensive. Kits aren't that expensive. If you have to fry a kit or two, that's not that big a deal. That you, you should never really be worried about um, it not being something that you can pick up and experiment with and, and have fun. I, I don't know that people are so worried about frying a kit so much as... They're worried well, about why aren't more people doing it? frying a radio that they spent a lot of money buying. Because ham radio as a hobby is not cheap. So Right, but then wouldn't building a kit give you a better understanding of radio and how to avoid potentially damaging a much more expensive radio? I don't know that everybody wants to build a kit. That's fine, too. Yeah. Again, I'm not targeting the people that don't care about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. My comment was specifically about people that set up these walls from them just doing hmm. Got the, it. the the argument was go do more mm-hmm. if you really want to just do it so bill continues okay. as for my own journey i am one of those old retired ham guys i turned 65 at the end of june well happy early birthday and have been a ham since 1976 well congratulations and happy birthday <laughs> like you josh i have been taking things apart and putting them back together Most of the time, since I was a kid, my mom and I would go trash picking for old broken electronic equipment. I built a crystal radio in grade school from Radio Shack parts and used it for a show and tell presentation. I had electric shop in high school where we learned how to wire home electrical circuits and how to repair home appliances and electronics. I spent many hours fixing TVs and radios for the teaching staff. Most of the broken stuff was tube-based and with high voltage. I had my share of exploding uh, electrolytic capacitors and resistors. I still remember the smell. Mm -hmm. I also remember the smell of burning flesh because I forgot (laughs) to discharge the CRT monitor of the color TV on which I was working. Dude, those are dangerous. Don't touch that. CRT monitors can be very dangerous. Yeah, for sure. 
Luckily, our shop teacher understood that when learning, things sometimes don't go as planned. He was very supportive and even encouraged us to try things that he knew would not work as long as we learned something from the experience and no one died. (laughs) I like that shop teacher. That's good. (laughs) I remember him often saying, give it a try and see what happens. We also built kits. One of my projects was a five-tube shortwave radio kit. With it, I could hear not only broadcast stations, which were plentiful in the 70s, but also ham radio operators, AM guys on 80, 40 meters boomed in. CW and SSB was possible by tuning the signals with the built-in BFO. Fun stuff. Just one tip. Don't tune a tube radio with a hot chassis while resting your bare feet on a metal heating radiator. Like a lot of folks, I played with CB radio. A group of us would get together on the radio most evenings after school and on the weekends. Most of the time I talked with local folks, but there were sunspots in the old days and we were able to work skip, which at the time was illegal if you were trying to talk to a station over 155.3 miles away. Of course, that didn't stop us from working DX. A CB became more popular, the channels became crowded, and sometimes with folks using the radios to facilitate illegal activities, like ladies of the evening using CB to attract clients, <laughs> Okay. most truckers off the nearby interstate. I was even stopped once by the police while using my radio as I was walking back from picking up some milk my mom needed for dinner. Uh, this is true and actually still kind of goes on now the ladies of the evening um speaking on cb sure uh to get trucker johns to whichever um truck stop they're kind of stationed out at uh just the internet now no they still use cb oh interesting okay yeah and what and the only reason i know this is because i had an ex that actually helped um, with a organization mm-hmm. that helped, um, what's the trafficked least? women? Um, no, uh, saved is almost the wrong word, but kind of provide uh, services and transition mm-hmm. for uh, trafficked women so that they could get out of. Oh, okay. Um, sex work essentially, right. And there were a lot of women who ended up going back to it because it was much more lucrative than right. stocking shelves at a Target at right, night or, or something. Fast food. Yeah. And uh, so I actually got to know some of these women mm-hmm. um, and their families. And they inevitably had friends that were still, you know, in that industry. And they would hop at basically hitchhike with truckers Mm -hmm. to get to different truck stops. Oh my gosh. To then they would then, you know, set up for that night or whatever to set up for that night. Okay. Yeah. And there, and also it was very common that um, for those who were not independent of being trafficked, Mm -hmm. that these traffickers would actually take these girls to, areas near truck stops. Right. 
uh, and they absolutely did use CB to uh, to kind of bring people in. So sure. that's uh, that's a very interesting thing that Bell brings up about CB. Uh, so he continues, I took my CB walkie talkie with me and was talking with a couple of guys. Apparently some bad guys were using radios to coordinate robberies in the area. And I looked suspicious. The discussion with the officer was going really good until he asked me who I was chatting with. And I responded with Batman. <laughs> the next 20 minutes were explaining why I didn't know Batman's real name and where he lived. I thought about responding Bruce Wayne and Gotham City, but it didn't seem as if the officer had much of a sense of humor. The officer finally let me go after I told him my mom was going to kill me if I didn't get the milk home so she could finish dinner. I was only a couple of blocks away from home. And when I got there, the police car with the officer who stopped me was down the street from my house. I gave him a friendly wave and went inside. Wow. After high school, I attended tech school with a focus on digital electronics while working at the local drugstore. At this point, CB was starting to get so crowded, it was hard to have a chat with the local group without interruptions and people throwing carriers. One of my CB friends and I had been talking about ham radio for a while, but were put off by the Morse code requirement. Luckily, I noticed that one of the local high schools had a continuing education class to help folks get their license. I signed up and at the end of class, we passed the written and five word per minute code test and we both got our tech license. At the time, the general and tech written tests were the same, but neither of us could pass the 13 words per minute code test that would have given us a general license. After spending a number of years as Tech Plus, the FCC did away with the code requirement. I, I was able to apply for a general license based on the fact that the general and tech written test were the same. Now that we have more time to play radio, I am studying for my extra license. Good for you. Well done. And good luck on your extra exam. Good story. Uh, Bill continues, my first technical job was as an entry-level computer operator, a real job, <laughs> a computer operator, a real job in the old days. One of my hobbies on my resume was ham radio. I remember the hiring manager telling me that one of the other folks I would be working with, uh, that we should give the kid a chance. He has a ham license and ham guys know stuff about technology. That's it. After over 40 years in IT doing programming, data center management, and retiring from a position as director of cybersecurity for Ooh. a large multinational company, I have to give credit to Ham Radio for helping me get my foot in the door. It saddens me to think today that ham radio may not be looked at in the same way by a hiring manager who gave me my start. That said, maybe there is a t-shirt there. How about I am a ham radio operator? We slash I know things about technology. I bet it says I am a ham radio operator. Give me a job. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like astounded by the fact that ham radio at one point, people were running continuing education classes for it, right? And now that I don't know in other parts of the country, but at least where we're at, right. I, I don't know that 
people would sign up for that kind of class. Well, I mean, you got to keep in mind, this is all pre-internet, pre-cell phone. Right. So the way you would communicate if you didn't have a landline and uh, or you didn't want to deal with all that is ham radio. That was the thing you could do. Hmm. I don't know. You know, uh, I really still like the idea of party lines. Right? Do you I mean, remember that's, party that's lines? That's ham radio, though. Exactly. Party line. But why are we not talking about that? Wh- what? You know, wh- why are we not talking about... It, it, maybe it's the fact that there aren't enough people that are younger that are talking on the party lines. Right? Because... So you hop on a repeater, mm-hmm. and people are having a conversation. Okay. But if you're young, and I, I know that there's quite a few younger um, HRCC members that listen to the podcast. So you guys, please tell me, when you hop on a repeater and you hear people talking about things that you're not necessarily interested in, mm-hmm. do, do, does that just turn you away from that repeater? Does it turn you away from ham radio in general? Hmm. Right? If you're... Telling people, oh, like any other social media platform, you gain a foothold by who is talking and what they're talking about. And that's what is lays the, not lays the seed, but drops all of those seeds that then cause everybody to follow, right? Okay. So like with TikTok, there were early, um, it was dancing and singing because Mm -hmm. it was originally musically right and the driving force behind that is lots of people like to dance lots of people like to sing and the music they had access to on musically later to be tiktok uh, was something that they really enjoyed right right so is one of the barriers to more people wanting to get into ham radio the fact that one, they don't know anybody who's on ham radio, but is there not a conversation they want to be a part of on ham radio? It's it's probably a mixture of both. Because there was a big ham radio spike during the last election. Right. With people... Because they thought their First Amendment rights were going to get taken away. I, I don't whatever. think it was that. I think that uh, people were seeing that... Other people that they shared ideas and values with were using ham radio to communicate messages they wanted to hear. I think they understood a bullet point, a a buzzword. Ham radio allows you to communicate without cell phones or something like that. But they didn't understand the complexities that go into it. Hmm. Going back to the the email before of uh, the wife that just wants magic. They wanted magic. They wanted a communication platform that was just magic. Ham radio is not magic. Ham radio is something that you have a goal in mind. You set out to achieve that goal, and it's not buy a box, open the box, and then it's done. It's never that way. Even with the Baofeng, it's not that way. Fair enough. But uh, I want to offer this point. Oh, okay. Okay, here we go. That maybe one of the keys to making ham radio more interesting to a younger generation is younger people 
putting together nets where they are. And I think we've talked about this before, but talking about topics that are not ham radio. Sure. That appeal to a younger demographic. Fine. But I mean, you have to keep in mind that they can already do that right now via the internet and the discords of the world and whatever other thing Mm. that they're on right now. But the amazing thing about ham radio is that instead of being exposed to uh, a lot of idiots on the internet, the average ham is much smarter than people who just hop on an internet browser because you have to get licensed. You have to be somewhat technologically savvy. So like a maker net, for instance. Sure. But I mean, anybody can do that with the digital modes that exists now. Anybody, anybody could set that up if they wanted to. Sure. But what I guess what I'm getting at is especially high school level um, to about like college level. Mm -hmm. If they were putting together nets like maker nets getting a bunch of engineers on the air talking about whatever projects that they're working on that might be a cool thing for a good game actually uh, if they're if his students already aren't doing is it steve right yeah steve, steve does the, yeah he does the padawan stuff mm-hmm. uh if they were to put together a net you know, and get together, make it a method of communication for the other STEM clubs they have in their area. Annette talking I, I, about I mean, things. sure, but you you're you're adding all these hurdles in front of what could just be a Zoom. Mm. And, and I'm not I'm not trying to be a contrarian on your mm-hmm. point because obviously I want more people to be involved with ham radio. But I, I love the concept of a net that has a topic. I'm, I've always in, been in support of that. But you have to have a driving force. And usually when I'm, and let me be very specific what I'm saying, you have to have a human being that is the driving force or multiple human beings yeah. that is the driving force to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And they have to encourage people to get involved. They have to get out there and actually True. make it a thing. True. Otherwise, you will just you will just fall back to the lowest common denominator to make your live hacker net go, which is Zoom, right? I mean, okay. You, if, if you want to challenge people to do something that's more complicated than they can easily do just by clicking a couple of buttons on an app on their phone or iPad or whatever, or laptop, then you you have to be the one to drive it. Okay. Right. I mean, so that's really what it comes down to. If you, and I'm I'm totally on board with what you're saying, but you literally have to have a champion to gotcha. make that happen. All right. Well, Bill signs off anyway. Keep the podcast coming. Seventy three WB three C Q K, and that's Bill hashtag Cyber Pop Pop. <laughs> oh, uh, and and I want to add a caveat. The champion isn't the one who just sets the thing up. Hams are already really good at that, right? Mm-hmm. As we covered, where the nerdy types will set up the net, we can we can set up the digital mode where the talk group is, or the the Yesu system fusion group, whatever. That's not the problem. The technical isn't the problem. The problem is getting all the other people mm-hmm. to come to your thing that you made. Right. 
That is the challenge for hams. The technical hurdle has never been the problem. It is how you bridge the the technical knowledge and the thing you've created to people that could just click a button. How do you grab them? That's the challenge. It's always Mm. been the problem. That's always been the issue. I see. Mm. So Bill says, P.S. The CQK at the end of my call does not make making Morse code, make using Morse code easy. That was very complicated. CQK. (laughs) No. Yeah. Thank you, Bill, so much. Because he's he's literally got CQ in his call sign. (laughs) So if he does CW with it and then he ends with a K, which you end when you're done transmitting with a K. Oh, no. So if you do da, 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 that's CQ. And then you go, you know, DE, his call sign, which ends in CQ and K. And then you wrap it up with usually another K to uh, say I'm done. So then people got to be mad confused by that. Yeah, that, that that's rough. Confusing. The next email is titled Throw Ham, Not Shade. And this is from Lou. Throw Ham. That's a shirt. <laughs> that is a shirt. That is literally a shirt. It could be like artistically a half of a, like, you know, like a a car, like a side of a car where you know it's a side of a car, but not like, or it could be a whole car. And it's literally just somebody throwing a bow fang and it says throw ham, not shade. Oh. That could be funny. Okay. All right. Well, (laughs) Lou, unintentional. Unintentional. Inspiration. Hi, guys. I just heard you read the podcast email from the guy who has passed all three levels of his ham license in one sitting. And at first, I was kind of irked because I've been trying to study for my extra. But between work and kids and home ownership, I've been struggling to find the time to even sit down and read. But then I thought to myself, well, that's not very HRCC community. Oh, there you go. There you I go. should be happy for him. So I that's told right. myself... Throw ham, not shade. So congrats to him and everyone else out there making it happen. That is super self-aware. That is. And really the key to like a positive, happy person. It really is. Yeah. Like if, if you can disconnect yourself from people's accomplishments, their failures and their successes, you will have be much better in life. Yes. I also wanted to say kudos for Leia's new preparedness portion of the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I work in public safety, and I know that if you can enlighten even one person to be safer or more prepared, then it was worth the effort. So as usual, you guys are knocking it out of the park all around. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the time and effort you continue to put forth. Sorry, my email is so short. I tried to think of a ham question to keep it relevant, but I've got nothing. Ha ha. Maybe next time. (laughs) 73K8 LAD. As the kids say, I will end this email with a yeet. (laughs) HRCC podcast, shoring it up since 2018 bumper sticker. (laughs) That's also a good, that's also a merch idea. A bumper sticker. We don't have bumper stickers. Yeah. Hey, Lou, maybe, uh, maybe we're making that and getting one. Wait, no, there's no way we've been doing a You podcast. have been doing a oh, okay. podcast since 2018. I have not. Mm-mm. We're a little over a year. Yes. Yeah. The next email is titled, Last Email In is a Rotten Egg. <laughs> this is from Scott. Ah, see, now we got reverse shade. <laughs> Greetings, Leia and that guy. 
Okay. It has taken me several weeks to get around to writing you about it, but I want to say that I was very interested to hear Leia's story of her family escaping Vietnam. In fact, I just went back to listen to it again. Uh, so four, four hour podcast incoming. Uh, about a month ago, I or more, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I talked about my family's immigration, basically generations Fleeing South Vietnam. Yeah, but just generations trying to escape communism <laughs> from China. They're like, oh, communists, no thank you. Let's head Imagine on people. somewhere else. Imagine, so this is why this Asian hate thing is so crazy to me. Because like we're literally surrounded by Asian people who at least they're, they're forebearers, the, the parents before yeah. them, have literally been spending their entire life fleeing communism. <laughs> and America is the great bastion of like no communism, right? Yes. I mean, like at least... To the world, right? We look like that country who is anti-communism. Right. And then that we, we throw shade at these people who come here trying to, because they're, they're, they're literally physically experiencing the downside of communism. Yes. And fleeing from it. And we make their lives harder when they get here. It's so frustrating to me. It's so frustrating. My mom, uh, my, uh, my sister's Gen Z. So you can yeah. imagine oh her politics God. skew just in a completely different direction, which is, I guess, how it works with parents and kids. But my mom basically said to me, I risked my life to come here to escape communism. And this girl is making me feel like it was for nothing. I might as well have stayed in Vietnam because I came here for you guys so you wouldn't have to grow up in communism i know it's crazy it's so crazy how like human like humans work their brains and the thoughts they come up with oh my god and it can happen so fast there was a guy on tiktok why do we always talk about tiktok because i spend a lot of time on tiktok too much time on tiktok this guy was basically attacking america for their role in in the Vietnam War, right? Sure. And many people do that, historically. But retelling it from the side of the Northern Vietnam Communist Army. Which is... <sighs> it made me so mad. I was like, you are literally erasing half of this country where... People were moved, like they were kidnapped in the middle of the night. Wealth stolen. All, all of their possessions taken, right. and they were dropped onto forced labor farms. Right. And you're going to act like the U.S. came in of, like, not being requested by the Southern Vietnamese going, we need help. Somebody come here and and protect. It was a civil war. Right. The U.S. didn't pick this fight. The war existed before the U.S. got involved. So re- and, regardless of the magnanimous discussion of like, oh, America, we just white knighted our way in, right? Like you could, you could make arguments not. pro and con against that. But, but to be very clear, the South Vietnamese wanted the help. Because North Vietnam and the, and the communists were supported by other countries that had more resources. Right. So what was South Vietnam supposed to do in the middle of a civil war with with It's like any port in a storm at that point, right? Bearing down on them. Who's going to help? The French left. There was no imperial support at that point, which 
I'm not arguing for imperialism. Right. But that left a power vacuum. And the communists, another power outside of Vietnam, flooded well, the space. Well, people would argue that the French left Vietnam because of the communists. Okay, sure. Not, fair fair yeah. point. Fair point. But they, but they absolutely absorbed the space left by the French. I, I don't know if, like, if any Vietnam vets are out there listening to this, thank you. Thank you Good. for what you yeah, did. Great. Yeah. Okay. And I I don't just speak for myself. For sure. Yeah. There is an entire population of Chinese and Vietnamese people who were able to make it to the US because if the US hadn't gotten involved, they also would not have airlifted no. people out of there. Well, who would have? Exactly. I mean, it would have been uh, it would have been boat people for sure. You're talking but about how many people did the Americans alone million. pull people out of Vietnam? One point six million people yeah, saved from the oppression. And this this guy on the TikTok was trying to act like well, the Vietnamese people would have been fine. We went in there. Uh, we Americans went in there and after it up. And it's like you, uh, who are you listening to? <laughs> there are literally. Chinese and Vietnamese Americans in this country whose experience you are erasing. Was he a white guy? Yes. Of course. Of course he was a white guy. So and th- I'm just like, the the audacity of you to come in here and rewrite our history. Right, because you could literally talk to... And demonize our heroes. Right, but you could, you could talk to an Asian person that experienced this. Like, it is... We're not... We're not so, we're not so separated to like World War Two, where our, where our like grandfathers are are passed away at this point that we can't like go talk to them directly. Yeah, but we can literally talk to people from South Vietnam that lived through it and say like, "Hey, was this good? Like, hey, I found I, I noticed that you're here instead of there. Why is that? <laughs> I mean, like, you could you could talk to these people directly. And if you live somewhere where there's not a large Vietnamese population, which I am aware. There, the majority of the country sure. does not have this. Right. There are obviously other Asian immigrants who have come in here more recently than the last two generations, and they may not have the same perspective we well, do. But they they live through a completely different world climate. Like the Japanese right. people have been here arguably less time than the Chinese people. Chinese people have been here very long. Well, there's also the, there's been just multiple waves of Chinese immigrants. So you can't it's not a broad right, swath. We all believe but, this. But same the thing. Japanese went through a really horrible situation with concentration camps literally being in yeah. the United States. So if mm-hmm. you compare and contrast two Asian people's life in this country, depending on the generations and time and the lineage of their family. Right, because, be totally I mean, the, Chi- the Chinese were pe- persecuted, too. Of course, of like, course they I were. I mean, you're talking about railroads and yeah. gold rush time. But what... And the whole coolies thing, right, with with the, the railroads and whatnot. I was going to say that one of the interesting things that you find when you have a large Vietnamese population somewhere, mm-hmm. and in California especially, we have two. We actually have two large populations: one in Northern California, one in Southern California. Mm-hmm. You're also going to see this in Some Texas, in San Diego too. and I want to say Louisiana also has a large Vietnamese population. Um, oh, Texas—the third Texas. most spoken language yeah. in Texas is Vietnamese. 
And what people were really surprised at in California, because it's such a liberal state, was that there were these groups of The bastion of conservatism is in in, in Little Saigon. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Orange County is extremely conservative, actually. In Uh, part bolstered by the Vietnamese people. By voters in Little Saigon. And we saw people who were marching in support of Trump during the last election. And I'm not going to get into the political concepts of whether, no, yeah, you know, it, yes, not, Trump, yeah, uh, you know, matter. whatever. But people found it, they were confused by it. Because why were these... Because they're not interested in these individual cultures and the experiences of right, those cultures. They're in to just, let's Asia's call them Asians. A, they're Asia's just Asians. not a monolith. Right, it's not. It, they're, they're individual people with individual experiences. Ask Koreans. Koreans in Los Angeles. Rooftop Koreans, I man. bet you they're more conservative than mm-hmm. most everybody around them. Why? Because they understand the concept of personal protection. They stood on because top they of their businesses as they were being looted prote- uh, to protect them from being looted as yep. businesses around them were being looted. Right? And, and this is a non art They are so pro-2A in the Korean-American community. And they could be vastly liberal yeah. with the rest of their politics, mm-hmm. but they are immensely pro-2A. Yeah. Now, everything we just said is not – it's not a political argument. These are literally people's stories. Like, these are people who have lived through things. They come here, and then they experience new things, like the Koreans did in in L.A. Yeah. This is not like a... Obviously, this is well off of ham radio at this yeah, point. Yeah, so, sorry. Big, but, I'm very but, but, passionate but I wanna, about I want But I want to make yeah. this point. We, we went on a huge tangent. I want to be really clear that we're talking about people's experiences, like yes. firsthand accounts of people's experiences, that anybody could look these up. That is why the myriad relationships of living in a society is difficult because everybody has a different background. Just look at your mom in in the story of what she had to do to get here and then to have a child that has vastly different political experiences. Oh, my God. That is is the thing that should humble us as a people to just – can I just understand your story before I have a blanket – answer to put you in a box like my heart literally breaks for my mom i know that she has kids that go up against her when she she was literally imprisoned in where she could hear people being raped in the prison worried that she was going to be raped and she tried again after she was in prison for trying to escape she then went back home and tried again. It's, it's she, I think so they tried crazy. like three times. It's it's like, and she made it thankfully, or I wouldn't be here. Like w- like we watch we watch movies to make ourselves feel like oh yeah I could I could live in a post apocalyptic environment where like all this stuff is going on. No, your mom literally lived through the worst of humanity, like mm-hmm. that whole process, the things that we make movies about to vicariously yeah. live through character. She just, literally lived through it. And it's very difficult for me to hear people just not appreciate the story. Hear the story, understand it, and then, yeah. and uh, you know, it's your siblings. So I'm not really going to, like, try and make a big argument against them. But, I, I, yeah, I feel for your mom, too. It's very tough. 
Very tough. I mean, I feel for my dad too. Let's just, but like for my mom specifically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. Uh, so, sorry, sorry for debriefing. Yeah, your, yeah. Sorry, that your was, email. But Scott. I, I think the good point is, I, I think what you said, and again, I'll reiterate it to everybody who is a veteran of the Vietnam War. If you've well, ever all been vets, in a situation, you know of all, course, all of vets. course. Thank you for your service. Of course, because nobody, nobody joins the military. And I mean, I understand there was a draft at the time in, of course, in, in of Vietnam, course. which is but, different from today. But uh, you're all fighting for the freedom of people you don't even know. Seriously. Seriously. Literally, because you're getting shipped all over the place. Yeah. Right. But I, I want to I bring it back for a second and say to anybody who was a Vietnam, Vietnam veteran, and maybe you live in a place that doesn't have Vietnamese people living in it. Yes. Maybe you've never talked to a Vietnamese person about this. Like, hear what Leia is saying. She's saying Thank she knows you. these people. Thank you. They appreciate the effort that that was put forth. Yes. And all the lives that were lost. There, there are people here that fought to get out of that country and are here. And, you know, they, they appreciate it. Yes. Big points. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Scott continues. Oh, Scott's still going. <laughs> okay. All right, Scott. It is an interesting story in its own right, but I was, uh, but it was especially interesting to me because, in a small way, it touches on a bit of my own history. In junior high and high school in the eighties, I had a good frame, a friend named um, Chu, who was ethnically Chinese and Chinese speaking, who was born and raised in Vietnam, who also escaped in the late eighties, the people, late seventies yeah. to early eighties. Unfortunately, I no longer remember many details of his story 30-something years later, other than people being bribed to help them escape and pirates factoring into the story at some point. But it was only he and his older sister who escaped. Last I knew, his parents were still in Vietnam. That's that's really sad. And really, uh, there were a lot of just like teenagers who were taking care of kids. There, There weren't a lot of like established adults because keep in mind you weren't allowed to leave so they were escaping under the guise of we have to go they were tracking who was coming in and out of cities and who was in homes you couldn't just go to a neighboring city and uh, right you you didn't just flash some paperwork or just walk out of your home and go about it'd be like we know how many people live in your home where Where are are these people and the people that were still at home when the people showed up missing they could have also been punished for the fact that they went missing. Right, right, right. Or people, and they knew who was related to who. So a lot of a, a lot of the excuses were, oh, I have to go take my college um, entrance exam, right. right? Because you didn't automatically go to college. You had to pass a test and only like the top percentage. So it would be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to this town. And then you have to pretend to go to that town and then peace out. Right. Right. Like, so, um, so yeah, like people literally had to cover for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people's, a maybe lot of we're people's too parents, close to it. Maybe we're too close to it, but there are multiple movies about like resistance of the Nazis during World War II. Yeah. I'm curious for when we get to the point, we're probably going to be much older when this starts happening, but when people start making movies about Vietnam like this, like talking about people that resisted, that were 
Southern Vietnamese or Vietnamese people going through the journey to leave Vietnam to get to wherever they ended up. I think Hell, it's that too, could be a movie. I think it's like we've gotten to the point where military movies are so controversial. No, but it doesn't even have to be a military movie necessarily. It could be just a, a personal piece about a family in Vietnam. Uh, but you can't, st- you can't tell the story of the Vietnam War no, China's without... China's too in bed with all the movies now. Well, there's that. Oh my gosh, you're right. Without painting the... Oh, it'd be shame all over the place. Yeah, there, the, yeah, 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 yeah. So... Yeah. Oh, that's so tough. Yeah, because the Nazis were like the the bad bad evil, right? And like you could say anything you want about the Nazis, yeah. super bad evil. But with Vietnam, it's a super quagmire of very. And, and now, as we fast forwarded, like anything you said bad about Vietnam at that time would be viewed as an, an insult today. Also, people don't want to talk about um, the crimes that minority groups committed on each other. Right, that that almost where we are today would perpetuate this potential like, anti-Asian yeah, yeah. sentiment, right? Because it just f- like fuels the fire, right? Yeah, God, that's tough. But yeah. it's a story that should be there. Told. Are, there are a lot of books though, there are a <coughs> which lot is of, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Scott continues. Scott's still continuing. Yes. Uh, True and I initially bonded over a love of old Chinese kung fu movies that would be played in Saturday afternoon matinees on a local TV station and our resultant interest in martial arts. One thing I remembered about True is that though he was a thin and wiry guy, he was capable of at least one impressive physical feat. He could stand on one leg and jump up onto a table. It reminded me of something you'd see in a training montage from a Kung Fu movie. Yes, this is something you have to train to do, and it is a Kung Fu movie. Ben's kind of learning it right now. Dude, Ben's very impressive. Like he's he's come a long way. He's he's very focused, and it's really where he funnels his rage. He does does funnel rage. That's true. (laughs) Having been raised speaking Chinese, I don't remember which dialect. Uh, I'm betting it's either uh, Jiu Chao or Cantonese. Uh, Trio had an accent and some people had trouble understanding him at times. But since he and I hung out a lot, I was able to get familiar with the accent and understand him well. The funny thing about Trio is... Chew. It's Trio. Oh. But okay. uh, I, I know he... Well, you said Chew in the beginning. That's why I'm... Because that's how he said his okay. name, his friend pronounced his name. But... Um, was his difficulty with names. When he'd refer to someone he didn't know well, he'd often refer to them as that guy. I would say something like, who? Oh, you mean Josh? And he would respond with something like, ah, I can remember these American names. If he was Chinese, I'd remember his name. (laughs) Josh is actually a difficult name for a lot of Asian cultures to say. Yes. Japanese people in particular is not, uh, Josh is not a, a good name. (laughs) <laughs> Not a good name to say. On a completely unrelated note, in reference to Leia's frustration with the difficulty of participating in ham events, so does Poda's, with the kids in tow, I propose she rally a cadre of ham moms with kids to devise and promote new events designed with moms and kids in mind. How about a Poda amusement park on the air? Imagine the propagation from the top of that Ferris wheel or... Pagoda playground on the air. Mom, you're hogging the slide. Hey, I'm making contacts up here. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I've tuned up the playground uh, facilities. Son, uh, don't touch it because I'm putting out 500 watts. <laughs> Kidding aside, I think that it likely come uh, likely that some creative ham moms could come up with some good events or even creative ways to participate in existing events. Maybe make it a multifamily collaborative ham play date with the kids play while moms take turns playing radio. Thanks for all the podcast entertainment, Scott in NJ. So, I mean, that was uh, that was a big thing. The NRA went like they dove in on was moms, uh, mom, a family of firearm ownership with moms, right? Here's the thing. Because moms literally drive the family when it comes to spending and all this mm. other things. So think about this. If yeah. you're worried about classroom indoctrination, your only counterpoint to a classroom teacher is a mom. Right. Yeah. So I, I I haven't heard about any negative ham uh, indoctrination going mm-hmm. on in the schools. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about that? Are they talking about ham radio in the schools every day? Oh yeah, every you day. You got to jump in preaching. there. <laughs> they're, they're preaching big this. cell phones in there, yeah. trying to <laughs> trying to snuff out the ham radios. Well, you got talking on guns. And yeah, it's, but it I mean, like you know of... what I'm saying, though, right? Like, there's so many companies that dove in hard on moms. And, and I think correctly so. If if you bring the mom into the the lifestyle, the hobby, then it just makes so many other things easier mm-hmm. for the for the dad. It makes wow. so many things easier wow. for the dad. <laughs> but also, like uh, on the uh, on the publicity of the thing, mm-hmm. moms are I think more active on social media than the dads are generally. Yes, absolutely. So if you have a couple of champion moms, that's going to have inroads of effect versus just a bunch of dads because dads are cloistered in in dad spaces like we we go to our online pages for ham radio and we talk about ham radio or showing off you know our four by fours with ham radio whatever but for moms it's it's more of a broad scoped kind of thing it's more of a lifestyle like what we're dealing with all that stuff Mm -hmm. and if you start talking about like ham radio then it's like oh hey that's a good I guess theoretically I could make a ham mom net where we talk about now we're talking now things mom related stuff now we're talking it's just all baby carriers, 24-7. What are you? Well, my baby's seven. I'm carrying him in a forklift. I've now become a forklift operator. <laughs> so the difficulty is I, I, the cross-section that would have to be the level of tiger mom I am. <laughs> you just need to hit the prepper radio. mom community and start talking about ham radio. I think that's what's got to happen. I think it's actually homeschooling in ham radio. Yeah. yeah. Down. Can we do that? Who's we? I didn't. <laughs> well, I, I'd like to say, can we do that? That's kind of a delegation term that managers I know. use. That's why I'm, yeah. I'm calling you out on yeah, it. Yeah, Who it's kind we? of a term we use. It, can we do that? Is that something we could do? When I hear... Can we do that? Mm-hmm. I never assume I have to do it. <laughs> well, you, you're you're a strong you're a strong person. That's... Thanks, Scott, for the email. Oh, no more from Scott. Okay, <laughs> Scott, that was beautiful. Thank yes. you for your email. That was Scott. You probably win for the largest tangent we've ever been on yeah. in the podcast for sure. 
<laughs> the next email is titled hands on exam and merch ideas. And this is from Ben. Ben says, no, (laughs) Leah and Josh, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to produce this podcast and all of the other ham radio content. I enjoy it all. Just remember, we're not sleeping to make this happen. Yeah. (laughs) Leia, you mentioned before that the ham exams test your knowledge, but don't really prove you know how uh, know how to do anything with the radio. Why not add a hands-on portion of the technician test? After you pass the technician exam, you could be given an HT and asked to do the following. Input the 2-meter or 70-centimeter simplex frequencies, program in a local repeater, make a call. I know that an unlicensed ham can't legally broadcast, so practicing this stuff may be difficult, but hear me out. When I was taking college courses, my instructor had a calculator simulator that looked and functioned exactly like the Casio calculator recommended for the course. Maybe something similar can be created with the basic functions of an HD. A user could input the two meter simplex frequencies and if done correctly, the program could respond with some pre-recorded message that sounds like normal hams talking. The same could be done with repeater frequencies. From what I have read, most repeater offsets seem to follow a set pattern based off frequencies. So if the user programs the HT correctly, maybe the program plays a recording of a net in progress. Finally, to make a call... Maybe the user could press PTT, and as long as some intelligible words are heard, the program replies with some kind of success message. On exam day, the new tech could then demonstrate these skills on a real HT. I think someone can make a call as long as a licensed individual is with you, but I'm fuzzy on how that rule works. Worst case, I guess an FRS radio could be used. I just think making a call part of the exam would help new hams get over the mic fright. Plus, they will get a response, so they won't have to worry that they did something wrong, unless they really did do something wrong. I, I don't. I don't disagree with with the um, with the last part where it's like if if they make a contact, they're going to feel more comfortable in getting on the air. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's go with that. Like that's a claim he made. That's fine. Let's go with that. But but all the email does is set up new restrictions for getting people licensed. Because if you if you're requiring that they have an aptitude test at the end of the multiple choice test that they take, we we are inevitably limiting the people that will get their license, which I would argue is where the ham clubs should step in. Hmm. The individual, like, so if you're if you're testing online, guess what? Those those tests are orchestrated by individuals that should be recommending you check out clubs. Mm-hmm. You join a club, you find a local club. If you're testing in perp- in person, those testing locations are for a club, and those testing VEs should be recommending that you check out their club meetings and going through that whole process. I, I I do not want to add more restriction to people getting licensed. In fact, I would like to reduce it more if I can. Okay. I would like to see them reduced to the point that we get people faster licensed. Mm-hmm. And again, this goes back to the experiment and fail mentality of you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes on ham radio. 
And you shouldn't feel bad necessarily about that. You shouldn't want to do that, but at the same time, you shouldn't have to worry that that's such a onerous thing. Sure. Ben continues, now on to some merch ideas. I have heard Josh mention on the podcast that he often gets asked by new hams, what type of HT should I buy? Or something along those lines. That led me to the below t-shirt idea using logic symbols. I'm going to show this to you and I want you to interpret what this shirt looks like. There you go. Okay. Uh, Fang, this is a new ham question. Okay, so Fang into what looks like a NAND, a NAND gate? Uh, you have to post that picture. That's going to be a good picture to post on the, uh, the podcast. All right. Fang. one, I think it's a, two is one. One is none kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> For those like Josh that deal more with software, maybe the version below would be more appropriate. Oh, it, okay. So that's going to be... Two Fang does not equal Two Fang. <laughs> two Fang pipe uh, does not equal Two Fang. Okay. To be uh, or not to be. I, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I kind of get where you're going with that. Uh, the one is none, I think, is where it ultimately ends up, is that, I think. Hmm. But does not equal is when you put the uh, exclamation point in front of something, it makes it do not equal. Gotcha. Finally, after listening to last week's podcast, I was struck with an idea to expand your sock options. Hopefully no one else came up with this idea. And they are HRCC socks with the HRCC logo with Leia's antenna launcher written on them. The sock idea. Oh, the sock. Yeah. <laughs> Leia's antenna launcher. That's actually really funny. That's really funny. These are good. That's good ideas. Man. If we make any of these, you'll be getting one. That would be really funny that you make a pair of socks and it says Leia's antenna launcher on it. Or just antenna launcher. But we only sell one. (laughs) You have to contact the company and are like, well, we only want to sell one sock. They're like, well, we don't do that. They're like, but you don't understand. We only need to sell one. Why don't we sell them as a two-pack of socks? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. One set has the antenna launcher on both, and the other one doesn't. And then you can just match your own. Now you have two pairs of socks. <laughs> okay. Right? No, you, but you okay. Me? No, okay. No. Technically, you already came up with this idea. So if you make it, we can split the pair. I would only need one anyway. <laughs> See? That's what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> Thanks again for everything you do. 73 Ben K O 4 N M E. Thanks for writing in for and for the great ideas, Ben. The next email is titled Antenna and that's from N Oh, uh, let me say. Oh, this is from Aaron. Hey gang, it looks like I'm about due for my bi-monthly contribution to Leia's Nakatomi Plaza of email correspondence. Oh. Interesting. I love that so much. It catches on fire at the end. Rest in peace, Alan Rickman. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sad. That, he's a great actor. This is in response to last week's emailer regarding getting set up for HF and an HOA. The discussion revolved around portable antennas that are not per- 
permanent installations. I wanted to add another suggestion. The IMD 107 from TN07 Engineering. It's a 67 foot end fed wire that I have tucked up nicely under the eave of my shop about 15 feet above the ground. What was the antenna again? The IMD 107 from TN07 Engineering. TN07? Yeah. About 15 feet above the ground. The wire is very small and practically invisible. The the antenna comes with all the hardware you need to install it in such a configuration. By the way, TN07 makes really good antennas. Yeah. They're a very good antenna maker. So, yeah, continue. While, of course, it's less than ideal... I've made many contacts with it, and according to PSK Reporter, I am easily heard across the U.S. from Washington on JS8. You don't hear much about this company, so I wanted to throw their name out there. Uh, And he provided a link, and I will drop that in the show notes. This email is, in fact, a demonstration of the efficacy of the antenna as it was sent via Vara HF Winlink on 80 meters. Oh, see, now... Okay, so here here we go. So, by the way, this is a... Uh, I would love it if you emailed Leia at hamtactical.com using WinLink, and you put it in the bottom of your email and said, this was sent via ham radio. There you go. That's what I would love. If you, okay. if you, if you all start doing that... Josh is going to start setting up a requirement that only WinLink... <laughs> That's how we're going to tighten it up, is we're going to make it WinLink only. Only WinLink emails. That's so mean. I know we won't do that. <laughs> I'm going to go in the shack right now and be like, hey, Josh, this is Josh. Uh, I'm just <laughs> wanted to say, I sent this email via WinLink email. <laughs> Look how cool I am. Aaron wraps up. And now back to your regularly scheduled fight over first email or last email or whatever it is this time. Hey, maybe I have the last email on Wednesday. The shenanigans continue. (laughs) Nope. Cheers, Aaron. N1AGK. But now I know how much closer we are to the end because he was a Wednesday email. So, in fact, Aaron, you were the last email on Wednesday. So, (laughs) (laughs) So it counts for something. Thank you so much for writing it. I love that idea. I want more WinLink emails. I would love that. I would love that. I got a big smiley face right now. I love that. I love it. The next email is titled Email of Indeterminate Placement. Oh, wait. We didn't really comment on his, on his antenna that he had. Oh. Oh, uh, yeah. No, great. Absolutely. Eve based antenna. If you have an HOA, we talked about this. We, we did. I did an episode where people shot, sent me pictures, vertical shots of their houses, and we helped them draw out, you know, where you could set up an antenna. Absolutely do this. Experiment. Get out there. Play with it. And don't let the HOA stop you from doing anything. Malicious compliance is always what I argue for. All right. So, yeah. Good antenna. Again, that's the IMD-107, the HOA special, virtually invisible Eve antenna. It's one hundred and sixty dollars about, and uh, yeah, you you probably will need a tuner, I think, for it, but should be fine. Okay. 
So Ron writes in, email of indeterminate placement. Oh, wait, sorry. The, oh, my God. Sorry, the website said no <laughs> tuner required, but it's less than two to one. So um, I don't know. That's assuming that you set it up perfectly and that you don't have the perfect situation. You may still need a tuner to soften it up a little bit. So anyway, I'll leave it at that. Okay, continue. Okay, greetings and salutations. This email will be considerably shorter than the average offerings. I just wanted to extend a heartfelt thank you to you both. I just got my tech in February 2021. And then this past Saturday, I passed my general. Congrats. Double congrats. Yeah. The thing that amazes me is specifically for Leia, I took four practice tests and failed all four. Taking a gamble, I took the test anyway. I there only missed two. There you go. I, what? That's what I said. What? You, everybody's brain tightens up when you have to test. You, you, no. The only thing no. I argue for is a good night's sleep before you go in. You can do it. The thanks part is for making this hobby fun and engaging. I directly credit you two, as well as Jason Ham Radio 2.0 and hamstudy.org for my success. Congrats. Keep up the good work. You two are doing incredible things for Ham Radio. A personal request, please don't shore up the podcast. I need my weekly fix of cat cups, bow fangs, touch lamps, and skyline chili. A loyal 1X listener, oh, 73 we, we, Ron Ritz had, uh, what? You didn't mention what was in that Walmart box that you got. Oh, that's true. I'm, I'm going to finish this. So that's okay. Ron, K-O-4-L-Y-X. Today in the mail, the kids were expecting... A surprise. The surprise was a Nintendo Labo. Right. But what came way before that, like very early in the morning, yes. was a box. Yes. That I allowed them to open full well knowing what was inside. It was a case of Skyline Chili. <laughs> okay. They were so disappointed. <laughs> they thought that was their surprise. <laughs> I was like, you guys love Skyline Chili. Do you remember when we had it? You guys ate it all up. So what's the story they behind were not that? Because I, I didn't know you were doing this. So you, you bought a case of Skyline Chili on at Walmart.com. How much was it? A can? Uh three eighty four. That's why I bought it. Oh. Yeah. So we got some cheapish Skyline Chili. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. It was weird. I actually had to buy them individually, but like I, I want to say a case is like twelve or something like mm-hmm. that. So I just bought twelve of like ones. But if you bought a case, it was actually more expensive per can. <sighs> Stores are wonky. That's weird. It's because Walmart's now kind of like Amazon, where there are multiple sellers. Right. So the single can seller is probably Walmart, and the case seller is probably some, oh a different seller. Yeah, third that party makes sense. Seller. So we are literally a Skyline Chili family. It's it's yeah. not just a, a one-off. We legit love Skyline Chili. You loved Skyline I Chili. I loved it. And the I kids loved it. loved it too. Actually, that's a higher bar than me. I, I, I love a lot of things. I love food. But if the kids like it. Readily and they'll eat, eat it. Like they'll eat the... If you put... I would argue that you and I, we... we we don't give them too much food because we right. know they're not going to eat it. Yeah. We, I think we put down an appreciable amount of pasta. Yes. They ate it and all. And they killed it. Yeah. They absolutely killed it. Yeah. So, so yeah. I'm, thank I'm, you, uh, Skyline Chili. It's because it tastes like bacaw. That's all I care about. Yeah. 
That's the trick, man. And thank you, Ron, for your email. The next email is titled, Follow-Up to My Last. This is from Russ, Leah, and Josh. So Josh was curious about the not chili comment. Uh, We got into a what is chili debate during the last podcast. Yes. I am picky about what I call chili. I only call stuff chili when it contains spices like cumin, red chili powder, and other hot spicy powders. Granted, it would also have lots of garlic, onion, and stuff. Hope that helps. Well, yeah, but I mean, then it could just be bean-based, right? You could could just make a... That would be a vegetarian chili, I guess. I mean, if, if... if the individual emailing is fine with that, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I do like a, a non-meat chili occasionally. You do? Yeah. Vegetarian right. chili? Yeah. No problem. Vegetarian chili? Don't, normally, those have like a meat substitute in it, though. No. Some are just beans. Just straight okay. up beans. Fair enough. Josh, thanks for your opinion about that circular omni. I just wanted... Uh, I just want something that I could use as an all-purpose antenna. Sat, weak signal, repeater, and APRS work would be great on one antenna. Well, that's I guess not going to do I that. I just need to do more research. So that okay, so that's straight up not going to do that. Not going to do that. It would be a fine receiver for those situations for satellites. Like if you wanted to do like NOAA weather receive satellites, you could do that with that antenna. You could probably also receive some. Um, on the Omni, on the it was the turnstile antenna one, the the one with the twisted dipole kind of setup. Mm-hmm. It, it will absolutely work as a receiver. It might also work in some cases as a transmitter. And I'm not telling you don't try it. Go try it. It is not going to be a weak signal antenna though. So if you want to do like two meter weak signal stuff, single sideband, you got to build a Yagi man. Just build a Yagi. Build a three-element Yagi. It could just be. It could just be um, measuring tape pieces. Just build it out of measuring tape, and you, you have a blast. Okay, Promise. seventy-three for now. Russ KC five CNT. Thank you, Russ, for that email, and uh, let us know if you build that Yagi. The next email is titled York Mints. Oh God! <laughs> More York Mints. More York Team York. <laughs> Why is nobody talking about Almond Joys, though? Because everybody hates... No, who? You know what's objectively crazy to me is that Almond Joy and Mounds are a much superior candy bar to a York Peppermint Patty. Anybody who says differently is crazy to me. Superior. Much superior. And you yourself also believe that because you rank those higher. Almond Joy and Mounds are like your top tier. They're your S tier. Okay, so I like, oh, actually, I don't like Mounds as much as I like Almond Joy. See, that's kind of crazy to me because I think dark chocolate and coconut goes better together. And that's the difference I like the milk mounds. chocolate. On you the, like the almond. No, I like the milk chocolate too. But anyways, oh, yeah, yeah. I would actually eat a York peppermint patty more often than an Almond Joy. Though. Okay, well, then, then rank them for me. Is York peppermint patty your number one? Are you willing no, to, I think to die Joy, on this sword? I think Almond Joy is my number one, but it's two pieces and it's much, it's like really sweet. Whereas I feel like when I eat a York, I'm having both a chocolate and a mint at the same time. You know? But are you getting the little small foil wrapped Yorks? Or are you getting the big sewer grate 
Yorks. I haven't had a large York in a while just because they're not that easy to find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, when I eat candy, it's usually the fun size candies. I, I believe, I, I think, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and that everybody who's commenting pro-York is, is in the small York camp. But I like the big Yorks. You're going to sit down and eat a whole York sewer Like throughout a day, cover. just feeling fresh all throughout day long. Throughout the day. So you're going <laughs> to roll up the, the, the package and you're going to put just it in a pocket? Just going to take a couple of bites and then I'll come back. To, that's actually how I eat larger uh, candy bars what anyway. What kind of human being are you? <laughs> I just don't eat my candy bars all at the same time. That's why I eat fun-sized. Because it is the right so amount. So are, are you particularly upset at the, the increasingly diminished size of fun size? No, I'm upset. The ups- barrier of fun has gotten lower. As, as fun, I'm fine kids, with it. Fun size was huge. Yeah, I know. I'm fine with it. I like today. it. I, I even like the one biters a lot. This disgusts me. I'm disgusted. <laughs> That's because you're the person that when I buy the one biters, you eat like six at a time. And then it's just like I, all I'm left with is, is rappers and sadness. There's always so much evidence of what you're so frustrating. It's so frustrating. I was like I was the kid who would like scope out the houses that like had the king size candy bars. I'm also the person that buys the small sized uh rice krispie treats. Right oh my god i was so upset when i opened that thing i was like wow it's like a two-biter rice krispie it's what just are you perfect. talking about a two-biter <laughs> it was the size of a sugar cube <laughs> it was a rice krispie treat the size of a sugar cube i didn't know whether to eat it or pour absinthe over it i didn't know what i was supposed to do with that at that particular moment <laughs> So, so some <laughs> snap, crackle, pop, advanced uh, absinthe uh, cocktail that we we're doing. You figured it out pretty fast, though, because you ate it. So frustrating. <laughs> so, like, I, 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 they're killing the Cadbury cream eggs. They made them. <laughs> so it, small. The childhood size ones were actually the size of an egg. Now they are frustratingly small. They're like, I, I just, they're going to be a quail egg soon. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so frustrating. No, they started doing that. You could get the smaller little dozen Cadbury. Yeah, because sometimes you just want one bite. I would just not do it. I would just not <laughs> do it. I would just forego of it and just save it for I mean, a, I, a full-size I treat. I guess for the Cadbury cream eggs, it doesn't make sense to do the smaller ones because you're unwrapping them. They're not e- super easy Oh, yeah, and sometimes they get like a little hot and then the, the, the fondant yeah. starts to leak out of it and, and it gets all sticky. It's, it, it is a production. Like, it is an Easter time production to have a Cadbury cream egg. Like, that is the time for Cadbury cream eggs. <laughs> I, I, I have. <laughs> You're so upset. I'm so opinionated when it comes to this. It's very frustrating. But I, I want to go back to the, so York peppermint patty is is actually, I think situationally, your number one. Situationally, I think you vacillate between. Almond Joy is probably very top, like most of the time, probably holding the number one spot. But York peppermint patty is probably in in a certain situation, maybe higher. Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, probably. It's disgusting. So- <laughs> By the way, I like the small York peppermint patties. I'm I'm team small York peppermint patty. But when we were talking about last week, I was talking about 
the the full wrapper sized York peppermint patty, the big one. Those are actually very good. I I mean, yeah. It's just more York peppermint <laughs> patty. It's not like a special candy center on the but inside. But you can just Surprise take a Surprise fact, there's a Snickers bar inside of a large York peppermint patty. But you could can, can just take a bite and then come back to it later. What are you Whereas talking? for the small I, I still, I don't one, understand. you have to take two bites. But, what? Okay, <laughs> even that I don't understand. It's literally... You, you two bite a small one? Yeah. Sometimes I three bite it. What are you talking about? (laughs) Just like small bites. So it's not too sweet at the same time. Oh my, this is an Asian thing. Yeah. Not too sweet. (laughs) It's not too much sweetness at the same time. Is that why you like York peppermint patties? It's not too sweet. I mean, they are very sweet. (laughs) They are very sweet, but they're minty. (laughs) So it tricks my Asian brain that it's not too sweet. What is going on right now? Listen, Gabriel's trying to tell us about your events, oh, okay? Can we? Yes. Okay, sure. Hello, Leia and Josh. I wrote in previously about non-NATO phonetics and my feelings about not being into ham radio so much anymore. Your words were very kind and encouraging. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate it immensely. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thank you. I've been considering buying a DX Commander as a more permanent antenna, but haven't moved on it yet. Maybe soon we'll do it. Move. with the clearer weather of summer, but I'll see. On another note, I'm currently listening to episode 94, the bonus points for field day one. In it, <laughs> Leia mentions her love of the York peppermint patties, and I have to say that I love them too. Oh my gosh. However, I prefer to consume mine in a more non-conventional way. I smoke it. In my... <laughs> I like menthol. <laughs> so you get it. In my house, we typically buy the family size bags of the small diameter patties. Yes. And I'll throw a few in the freezer. Doing so adds an extra minty kick at the very manageable cost of having to wait a few seconds to consume your magnificent minty marvel after pulling it from the freezer. They are very good cold. This is, this is just... I cannot go back to eating I, I'm them fine with room thin mints, Like th- freezer thin mints, big fan. Big fan, but that's a cookie that tastes like a mint. The center of this thing is literally <laughs> mint. It's like the difference between a fresh, a cup of fresh lemonade and a very watered down day old one. Stark. <laughs> I, I'm not even. I will not engage with that. Gabriel, I'm going to um, dichotomy. I, I, I have frozen the York peppermint patties and then you just got to let them thaw a little bit so they're, they're perfect. why why is this so complicated yeah because it's it's now a sweet frozen treat okay oh my god i'm uh, gonna get like a bunch of those and i'm gonna blend them up and i'm gonna make some kind of like alcohol concoction out of york peppermint patty. you could just do like schnapps and chocolate vodka what are you talking about no i'm, I'm thinking like mojito chocolate mojito with york peppermint patty that's not a mojito at all. Why? Why are you ruining things? Just let mojitos be mojitos. What is in a mojito? Mint. But it's not necessarily peppermint. We use spearmint in our mojitos, which is a different flavor from peppermint. Have you tried my concoction? Have you, have no. you tried if you a make York it, I mojito? Will re- 
use. <laughs> Have you had a York I'm going to chocolate some vodka mojito? With <laughs> although you're probably right, a York probably lines up more with vodka than uh, yes than rum. That's yeah. probably thank true. you. Yeah, okay. thank you. Okay. A different subject again, an interesting experiment that would be worth trying a, a, or at an least interesting reading about. Experiment? Experiment. Experiment? <laughs> or at least reading about it is a line of sight and beyond communication using modulated light. A great page for this is uh, modulatedlight.org by KA7OEI and others. I've been considering trying this out for myself. Have you heard of modulated light, Josh? Yes. We call it fiber optics. I'm kidding. But yeah, that, <laughs> that's like the end, that's the end goal of modulated light is that what if we just put it through a tube of glass? That's I mean, that's what fiber optics is, is, is it's a tube of glass that is literally transmitting light. Okay. You know, so yes, you can. Um, I'm assuming data rates will be relatively slow if you're literally oscillating something that is transmitting light over literal air. That could be a thing. Uh, that's like that gets into the realm of like cave radios, which is like super super interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I'm very on board with the the esotericness of all mm. of that. Um, I just haven't done like a deep dive in that specifically. But okay. who knows in the future? I'll Gabriel's- be digging through the slab of like a cave radio. <laughs> no. You know, hey, who knows? Cheers and 73, don't drink the cat cups. Gabriel, the oo ham. <laughs> oh, we got an oo-woo. Oh, it's my God. U-W-U. Oo-woo. Yeah, yeah, we know how it... <laughs> <laughs> You're saying ooh-woo on the podcast. You don't know what that means, do you? It's a gamer girl, right? Yeah. Okay. You're, you're in the wheelhouse. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Gabriel. The next email is titled Grounding a J-Pole Antenna, and this is from Rob. Hi, Leia I'm, I'm and going Josh. on Discord to tell people I that hope you said you... ooh-woo on the podcast. I hope you both have had a great week. I have a copper two-meter J-Pole antenna from Michael KB9VBR on the side of my house. Great performer, by the way. Do you recommend grounding it? Some say yes. Others say it's not necessary. Yes. Yes, ground. <laughs> so, again, there there's multiple advantages of grounding. The first, obviously, is the super dangerous lightning ground, right? Like if you had, I don't know where he lives. He didn't, did he mention where he lives? Mm. Did he give a call sign? Mm-mm. Okay. So grounding the antenna at the feed point is going to reduce potential damage from lightning strike. Not completely, but anything is going to help, right? Mm-hmm. With that said... If you ground your antenna at the feed point and bring it to a ground rod that is gr- that is bonded with the rest of your ground rods to your service provider that provides your power, that will help lower your noise floor dramatically. And so that's a good thing. So grounding antennas, grounding shacks to your service provider that provides your power is always a very good thing. So that should be always recommended. Okay. Yeah. Leia, another t-shirt idea on the front. Wife, you can get a new radio only if an old one goes out the door. On the back, 
icon buyer. So this is why Josh recommends having a few spare Baofangs to give away. <laughs> That's not bad. Trixie, Trixie. That's not bad. Josh's, the wheels are spinning for him. So if we make one, Rob, you're getting one. It's the final email. <laughs> so what's the title of that song? The Final Countdown. Okay. Do you know what movie that was used on? No. Okay. It's from the 80s. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this email is titled, It's a Me, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he meant it to sound like that. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. Uh, Nathan writes, To my ham pen pals, in the past few weeks, I have slowly installed a TYT TH9800 in my car with a similar setup as Josh's car. I got the same trunk mount Diamond K4000s and Diamond Antenna NR770HAB. It works great. I am still waiting for my Lido mount, which should come yes. Friday, the day you are probably reading this. Uh, we are. Well, you tell us. You literally probably emailed like 15 (laughs) minutes ago. He actually emailed our time at 10.31 p.m. Sorry if that's... Oh, so that's a little tricksy. So we're... He's very smart. We will not tell you where we were recording, what the time is right now. We won't tell you that because I think that's that's a little inside baseball. (laughs) It's late, though. Let me just say that. Say someone was not ready to run the power wires to their car battery, such as needing to get the car power leads replaced since they are usable but in rough shape. Could someone run the UHF VHF radio off of a LifePo 4 that is rated higher than the amp draw of the radio temporarily? So yes, the short answer is yes. You're going to have potential grounding issues with the car. You you could um, experience that on the radio. Uh, that could be problematic. I, I really highly recommend you just Google your car and look for firewall pass-through. Google your make, model, your year, firewall pass-through. Find out where there's a hole and then run that power line Positive goes to the positive terminal. Negative goes to the ground connection for that battery, which is usually a very adjacent. If you can't do that, okay, so here's a here's a little tip. I, I'm not saying everybody does this. If you pull up your fuse, the, the information of your, your fuse panel, there are fuses that power on and power off when you turn on and turn off the car. If the amperage is appropriate, and I really want to be very careful when I say the amperage is appropriate for that location, there's something called like a fuse buddy or a fuse pass along. It's basically a fake fuse with like two fuses in it and then like a a wire lead that comes out of it. And that's for the positive. And you connect that to the battery, you crimp it on, and then you can find a grounding spot for um, the 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 neutral line for the radio that will power your radio. And that 9,800 actually, 
in in full you know openness to everybody i have definitely used the fuse jumper the fuse buddy um solution for the 9800 and it has worked for many many years five years going with that 9800 that radio is a is a trooper in that sense so in your specific case of the tyt 9800 i would say you're okay if you want to like tap into the fuse line Although that is not my recommendation, nor is that the standard that you should do if you don't have to. Okay. In other news, I procured a Chameleon MCOM 3 base 80 to 10 and fed half wave. I am trying to figure out a configuration. I read about the inverted L, inverted V sloper someone also said they have a zigzag they have zigzagged it me if i (laughs) i said that if i happen to do somewhat of a horizontal v such as my attached photo do you think it would be effective i would connect it to a high point on the back side of the house then a higher point in the tree by the bend yeah then the other end in another tree antenna maybe 45 degree angle from the original feed point matching box I know it's kind of hard to answer this with limited information. Thanks for the info, and as always, for the podcast and videos. So there is a picture. I will drop it in the HRCC Discord um, podcast channel. But you're saying that will work? Yeah, of course. Great. Nathan signs off 73K1MAZ. Nathan, Southern Vermont's premier ham radio correspondent. (laughs) P.S. Watch out for toenail clippings. Oh my <laughs> gosh! He, uh, so he, so that is a Nathan is a consumer of all the content apparently because that was a Instagram story reference from today. Would you like to tell the class I, what happened? <laughs> I, I am I am very dogmatic about PPE, which is personal protection equipment. I I will wear. Safety glasses, I'll wear gloves, I'll do the whole thing when I'm working on something, like important. Mm-hmm. I wake up, I'm trying to make my coffee, and you understand how difficult my coffee process yeah, is. It's, it it's, requires a lot of it's, focus. It's, it's, it's a lot of focus. And Edison is just yelling at me about his toenail. He's complaining about this toenail. Just, you got to cut my toenail. you got to do it right now and i said edison i'm in the middle you don't understand this is the first drop we just did the the bloom edison (laughs) you don't appreciate the importance of what we're doing right now he's like i don't care i don't care about what you care about i care about what i care about i am a child so ultimately i i get him in my office and i sit him on the chair and i i'm like sit down and I made a mistake. I, I didn't go with the traditional um, clippers. toenail clippers. Yeah. Just, you know, the little stupid toenail clippers, mm-hmm. little pincer toenail clippers. I grabbed, for some reason, you have the sideways cutters. They're like needle-nose pliers, basically. But for Oh, they're cuticle cutters. They're cuticle cutters. I grabbed those for some reason. I should not have grabbed those. And I'm literally vertically looking over his toe. <laughs> like... A hunt like ninety <laughs> degrees off of his toe. I put that clipper on there and I clip it. And that thing was probably a quarter of an inch and just drove itself directly into my eyeball. 
<laughs> and, and by my eyeball, I mean the little meaty thing, like right next to the nose before it gets to like your actual Where your white tear ducts of your are? eye. Yeah, like just drove itself like right in there, <laughs> like all the way. I literally had to pull it out of my eyeball. Oh my god! That's how focused in energy and and whatever it was. Everybody's cringing right now when. You, when <laughs> So I, I, I pulled it out. He was I'm fine. So uncomfortable. I'm like, are you good? And he's like, yeah, I'm good. So he was fine. He was good at that point. So I run to the restroom. My left eye is just completely bloodshot immediately. Just oh, no. blood you everywhere. You look great now, though. My, my eye is bloodshot, but then the little tear duct area is literally bleeding. You'll never cry out of that eye again. It'll, I'll never cry. <laughs> I'm like a Bond villain now. Or maybe it'll just be tears of blood every time I, I cry, which I think is kind of cool. We'll, we'll, we'll test that in the future. I'll make um, you cry later Yeah, so, when you're editing the podcast. Yeah, when I'm editing the podcast. <laughs> I, it, was, it, was, it was so weird. That, like, <laughs> I, I'm so careful on so many things, and then it's like I'm just trying to wake up in the morning, get my coffee going, child is yelling at me about a toenail and then i'm like yeah sure we'll take care of you and i'm just yeeted my eye with a toenail it was very horrible very well, let that be a lesson to you about your coffee routine okay i've been a ppe my entire life i'm just gonna roll around with, with uh with safety goggles everywhere i go i do have those uh visor mask thingies that are clear well so that's one of my favorite things about dave remember you know, Dave, yeah. we don't we we haven't talked about Dave on the podcast, but Dave is literally we, we have. We've talked about milling the wood for your shelves with Dave. Oh, that's true, with the yeah. wood miser. Mm-hmm. Dave I would has argue, all the tools. I would argue that Dave there there are there are largely like three men that are most impactful in my life. It's my father, Ken, down the street, Ken, mm-hmm. and Dave. Dave, I think, is the guy who really gave me the confidence to just do it. Because Dave just does it. He just does it. And you know, you may have actually seen Dave on TV. He's been on TV. Because he was on... He was also a consultant, kind of, for the Mythbusters, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, Dave, he was on Rusted Development. And multiple land speed records at... uh, uh, El Mirage. Yeah, but I'm saying if if you've ever seen Dave on TV, it would mm-hmm. most likely be Rusted Development. It was mm-hmm. the last episode of their first season. He was king of the car horde. He is the king of the yeah. car horde. <laughs> because he's got... He fixes up um, old everything. cars. He fixes up everything. He does. he does. He took an ATV and put a sheep on it. And made a sheep ATV. He put a motor on a couch and, then and made... made a. And then he a car used, couch. No, but he put a trailer hitch on it, and he used the couch to pull out his land speed car <laughs> onto El Mirage for for land speed testing. Dave is Dave is the guy that I built the AK forty sevens with. For people that don't yes. know the depth of this, uh, Dave is possibly the most confident person I've ever oh, seen with for tools. sure. And he is so... The man he cuts has, turkeys with a bandsaw. He has the most <laughs> nonchalance with the whole, like, everything. Yes. I, I strive to be as, like, just calm in the face of complexity as Dave is. I always thought that Dave was an old you, though. 
I kind of feel that yeah. way. Some, well, yeah. I, I, I hope I, if I could anywhere attain the level that he is as I get older, I only view that as a, as a victory. But I, I, I cannot say enough about this man. He's a fantastic human being. But I, I've totally lost the track of everything I had to say just because I'm talking about Dave, who means a lot to me. Very yes. important person. Um, but, God, where was I going with that? I totally lost it. The PPE thing. Yes. Um, Dave is a big proponent of PPE. He literally will wear, this is where I was going, now I'm back there. Every day, his his prescription glasses are all PPE. Like, they're, he's like, no, these are these are rated for shotgun and blasts. I'm like, well, you got shot with a shotgun. <laughs> And they, and they just strike your eye lens, and you're good. Dave, like, yep, that's Dave, right. Dave doesn't even have kids, so he's just he's prepared for him, though. It's literally <laughs> prepared for anything. This guy, anyway. Anyway, okay, let's move on. The kids loved Uncle Dave's house. Oh my gosh! Well, the kids loved. He was literally like the episode on YouTube where Blippy goes to the excavation. Yeah. area where there's <gasps> like the bulldozer a, he let them get on a bulldozer he's literally driving them around in a bulldozer <laughs> moving stuff around yes it's yeah. crazy he's got a backhoe and a forklift and a bulldozer it's like okay sure it's we're going to Dave's he's also place. got stables a workshop I, I we can't we cannot go into the depths of dave this could you be a just whole have podcast. dave as your podcast we sh- well co-host. i mean yeah that'd be fun uh, yeah, that would be actually that we would be go well. Dave, no, actually. we couldn't. We couldn't. There's two. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole. That's a whole other thing. Okay. Too much complicated things. There's too many backgrounds of what we do for a living and things we can't talk about. <laughs> mm, I just want to see his wife. I love. Uh, yeah, I love Leanne. Yeah. Well, man, that was that was a lot of fun. Okay, yeah. so let's dive right into it's question time, and question Ooh. time. Leah, how full is your beer? Uh, it's half. Okay. So somebody, <laughs> somebody said, you know, they had a thought. It was an idea. In the, in the Discord channel uh, the, for podcast, the podcast. Yeah. On the HRCC podcast, uh, Discord channel. They recommended every time you made a mistake with your questions, uh, that you, you take a shot of beer or, you know, take a sip is, is fine. I That's think. fine. I think we can do that. So I think I'm at a beer, though. You said I don't it's think half. It's not enough. <laughs> well, you got this one here. It's sitting here. It's good. Wow. Okay, so wow. let let's get started. Five questions. Here we go. They recommended ten, but I think we just go with five. Yeah, it's too late for ten. Yeah. I'm in question twelve out of thirty-five. Mm-hmm. What usually happens to radio waves with frequencies below the muff and above the luff oh. when they are sent into the ionosphere? A, they pass through the ionosphere. B, they are bent and trapped in the ionosphere to circle the Earth. C, they are bent back to Earth. D, they are amplified by interaction with the ionosphere. Okay, I think you have all the tools to answer this. You just, because we spent so much time talking about this. I was going to say they are amplified by the interaction with the ionosphere. Uh, I don't know the answer to this. I'm not going to. Oh, they are bent back to Earth. I should have known that. Take a sip. Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> Take your time. It's, it, it, you don't have to answer immediately. We can walk through the thought process. They are bent back to Earth. They are bent back to Earth. That's what helps with the propagation. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. This oh. is the opposite of the other 
muff luff question. But arguably, my answer was also correct because they are amplified by the interaction with the ionosphere. No, that's not. There's no amplification. There's only attenuation. Amplification would imply that it's injecting power somehow. Ah, uh, right? okay. That's Which fair. it's not happening. All right. Which of the following connector types is commonly used for audio signals in amateur radio stations? Oh. A, type N, B, RCO, RCA phono, C, B and C, D, PL259. Oh, okay. Uh, C, B and C. Nope. No. It's RCA. No. Why audio. It's uh. specifically audio. Every other option was for coax connections. I don't connections. even like this beer. <laughs> but every other option was N-type, PL259, and BNC. That's for coax connections. Uh, so a little behind the scenes. When we have beer on the show, mm-hmm. which is every time, beer or Not drink. necessarily. We do the vodka thing occasionally. and Sure. And, uh, well, specifically kind of when, when we have beer. Mm-hmm. We set everything up on the table so that oh, we're not going into the fridge or freezer. You don't have a cold beer, is what you're saying. The beer is not cold. Uh, okay. Do By you the want time me to get you a koozie that's cold, a cold koozie. <clears throat> no, okay. but but we are pretty far into the podcast. Yeah, which means it, these it beers have been a little warm sitting. Yeah. yeah, sure. For a while. So, so everybody, give Leia more hey, credit. Hey, Gark. <laughs> I hope you're I happy. I hate your face and your idea. <laughs> I hope you're happy. <laughs> okay, RCO phono because it's an audio signal. It's, and and it was a little tricksy. It said specifically audio, right? Mm-hmm. So the last two questions are very specific what they're asking you. Mm-hmm. And you got to like... Zero in on that zero vocabulary. Zero in on the specific, yeah. All right. What is the simplest combination of stages that implement a super heterodyne receiver? (laughs) This is a problematic question, (laughs) because why does it have to be super hetero? Why can't it be super homo? (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing right now? I object. (laughs) Uh... Okay. <laughs> uh, the options are A, HF oscillator mixer detector, B, HF oscillator prescaler audio amplifier, C, RF amplifier mixer IF discriminator. D- C, discriminator. <laughs> D. RF amplifier detector audio amplifier. Okay. There is very one clear answer to me. Mmm. <laughs> mm, yes. Very good. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't expect you to know this, mm-hmm. but that means you're going to drink. So, mm, Okay. Just wait a minute. Uh, I'm All just right. waiting. I'm mm-hmm. waiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see now we got skin in the game i bet you're gonna start studying on hamstudy.org tomorrow so that you don't have to drink beer no i'm just going to make sure my beer is cold at the next podcast it'll be fine okay well fair enough fair enough we'll do that next time mm. Hmm. yeah 
I'm going to go with discriminator. No, it's HF oscillator mixer detector. A? Was it yes. A? Yeah. All right, fine. Fine. I guess I'll drink again. You're not, you can explain while I drink. So superheterodyne in this case is where you have uh, an oscillator for the primary frequency, and then you have another oscillator that combines and creates the, um, the mixer product. What, what's the um, product detector, right? The product detector is what you get outbound into your ear holes that allows you to hear. So that's the major components of a super heterodyne radio. Okay. I don't know what a super homodyne radio is, like, <laughs> but uh, maybe someone can tell us in the email correspondence <laughs> corner. What license examinations may you administer when you are an accredited VE holding a general class operator license? Well, now that I'm thinking about it, a homodyne would be like two of the same frequency oscillators, but I don't think that would yield a mixer product that would be discernible. I think heterodyne literally implies that it's two different oscillating right. frequencies that combine to <laughs> make different. a product. Yeah, yeah that's... that's uh-huh. So I don't think it's a, a, a discriminating term <laughs> other than, you know, just, you know, we can work through that. See, that's the problem with the ham radio in the future is that there's some terms that we're going to have to describe <laughs> to people and it's going to have to make sense in a certain, a certain capacity. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Repeat the question. Sorry. What license examinations may you administer when you are an accredited VE holding a general class operator license? And ahead of time, I'm just going to have to apologize if I get this wrong to the HRCC VE team because they asked me to get my general so that I could help do testing. (laughs) This is a very easy question. This should be a very easy question, I have to say. Option one is general only. Option B is amateur extra general and technician. C is general and technician. And D is technician only. I believe it is general and tech. Oh. Uh, only technician? It's always one lower. But you already have a general. But you're, it's always but one you've lower. you've already passed it. You're, it's always one lower. It's always one lower. Fine. I'm sorry. HR Did you take your drink? You have apparently learned nothing in this process. (laughs) This drinking to make you learn more is not encouraging growth or knowledge at this point. (laughs) I don't know if we've learned something today. I think maybe that (laughs) alcohol does not help uh, imbue knowledge or or retention of information. Or the threat of alcohol in this case. I'm so sleepy. Yeah, I know. know. We're very tired. (laughs) Can you see it in my eyes? I'm like... They, the, the podcast leaning. listener can definitely see it in your eyes. I'm talking to you. I'm like, I'm, I'm leaning. <laughs> You're looking at me when I'm going on deep dives. You're like, oh, God, shut up. <laughs> shut your mouth. I'm not. I know you're not. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that because I'm tired. I'm just tired of hearing your mouth talk. I'm just kidding. Your mouth parts are always I love always hearing squawking. you talk. <laughs> Which of the following is a common way to adjust the feed point impedance of a quarter wave ground plane vertical antenna to be approximately 50 ohms? A, slope the radials downward. B, slope the radials upward. C, lengthen the radials. D, shorten the radials. Mm, Good question. Very, very apropos for people that are playing around with antennas. Again, this is a thing you don't really know. (laughs) So... I, I appreciate this is a, if you wanted to 
increase, right? What was I'm it? I'm gonna saying? lengthen the radials. No, no slope the radials downward. Yeah, downward. <sighs> what the hell? <laughs> what the hell? This test. I, I I think um I I think although you had a harder time with it, I think that those questions are. Uh, those are pretty good questions. If I got caught with those, like on a test, I would be pretty happy with with those questions. Wow, that's so great for you. No, I, I love I, that I, for you. I, I know it, it I sounds really. <laughs> I, it sounds really bad when I'm saying that, like while we're doing this live. But um, those are those are pretty good questions. Those are those are pretty good questions. Out of the general pool, those, those are pretty good general questions. I think. Okay, last question. Last question. What is the ratio of peak envelope power to average power for an unmodulated carrier. A, 1.414. B, 2. <laughs> C, 0.707. D, 1. <laughs> it's actually 1.00. Uh... B, two. No, it's one. I thought it might be. That was a little tricksy. Well, I, I appreciate you being a good sport. Oh, really? As always. Okay. <laughs> I, I really do. Did you take a drink on that one, though? Oh, just, to, just to follow with the rules. So. Okay. All right. Okay. Because this is getting into the show topic, and so we got to get you necessarily sauced up to be able to talk about this, apparently. So Leia, Leia, you, um, so we're, we're diving into the show topic now. Show topic. Show topic. Why don't they make these radios? Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the show topic. <laughs> Why don't they make these radios? <laughs> Why don't they make radios like this? Perfect. This, okay. this could actually be a whole segment, like a multi-point <laughs> segment. Why don't they make radios like this? And so you you had a question. So we, we would have normally talked about field day because we're, we're vastly approaching quickly. Oh, I don't know if you day. guys know this, but I am done talking about field day. So that's why Leia was like, <laughs> I got a question that I want answered. And so Leia is proposing the question for today. Leia said, why aren't there class-based radios? Hear me out. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing you. CB is 11 meters. Mm-hmm. And CB radios, mm-hmm. they just do the CB 11 meters. They just meters. do the CB. Mm-hmm. Right? So why can't you... In part you... is the answer that I just gave you. They just do the CB. But keep going. Why isn't there just a technician radio? And you go yes. and you buy the technician radio. It doesn't allow you to transmit on any of the frequencies you're not allowed to transmit on mm-hmm. or do anything you're not allowed to do. Mm-hmm. And then you can just goof around the way that you would on a handy talkie, right. like a, a walkie talkie. Where you're just trying to hear somebody. How dare you? We don't goof around on ham radio. That is I not mean, a on, thing we on do. On walkie-talkies, we do. But okay. So, uh, I'm kidding. But I'll, I'll give you the answer. For CB, those radios are locked, technically, to 11 meters. They're channelized for 11 meters. Okay. For an amateur radio to do... 10 meters and 6 meters and 2 meters and 70 centimeters. Those are multiple discrete paths, discrete components to be able to make those radios all work. 
So for a technician radio, like if you if you went to a store and said, show me the technician radio, and they said, here you go, they're likely going to put a 2-meter or 70-centimeter radio in front of you because those are similar components. Mm-hmm. But then you say, well, no, I want to do 6 meters and 2 meter and tw- uh, 10 meters, sorry, as well. Well, th- that's a different radio. That That's a radio that's going to be a little bit bigger. It's going to have more components in it. But why not then just put the components that were in the first radio mm-hmm. also in the second radio? Well, you could, but it's going to be a bigger box. And then who cares? Well, who cares? The manufacturers care because they got to recoup costs on having a technician only radio. Right? And then and then like if you go onto an area where it's CW only and you can't do voice, it tells you CW only. Mm hmm. So you you literally want the radio to be like technician restricted only. Like, yeah, and then maybe when you get your general, you get then, a little chip. Yeah, little or like a little dongle, turn. you stick it in the radio and it's yeah. like bloop bloop bloop. Now now you get the general stuff. Well, so here here's the or, or maybe you plug it in, you put your call sign in, and mm-hmm. then it checks the FCC website. Like, how complicated do we have to make this? This is already pretty complicated. But we talked about pe- some people just want it to magically work. Why hasn't anybody made this just magically work? Because I guarantee you that would get more hams, bo- like becoming hams and getting on the air. And then you don't have to actually worry about, like, then the test, you can actually make it operationally based versus all of these rule restrictions. It's already operationally based. What do you mean? Like, no, like how you actually use the radio versus... Anyways, my point is, why hasn't anybody come up with a radio that does the thing for the class? Because it's it, it's an exorbitant cost to do something that is only marginally appropriate. You know, I talked a big game to Situationally Garth, appropriate. Saying that I could take 10 sips and still be sober. Mm-hmm. I'm on my second beer. I feel it. <laughs> okay, so l- let's let's break this down to like sir so let's let's go back to like what I think you're you're very familiar with is like a business service level, like a, a level of service, mm-hmm. right? So to 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 bar someone from a level of service with a product that they buy, and that product is uh, intellectual property for the for the company that's manufacturing, mm-hmm. calling it like a soda machine or something like that, right? Okay. Well, you got to have somebody come and then flip a key. To, like, unlock the next level of service. Maybe that's, like, the cool ice. Like the ice they have at uh, Chick-fil-A. You know, like Clear the little, ice? The little, or, or crushed the ice? Little, no, the little, little pellets. Like, everybody Ooh, likes the, like the, sonic, the sonic pellet ice, oh, that kind of thing. That is my favorite right. ice. So you got to pay more for that, right? you got to pay more for that. Well, that means you put gear inside of the box to make the pellet ice possible, right? I'm, I'm searching pellet ice maker right now. <laughs> <laughs> so... The the reality is is that everything you're saying is possible, but the that just means it's it's more development time, it's more cost to the end user 
to buy a technician radio or a radio that has a key or some kind of dongle that unlocks more radio. You got to okay, pass that down to the, the to the consumer. Hear me out. Mm-hmm. Right now. Yes. You can theoretically, like at least on an HT, mm-hmm. you can plug it into Chirp. Yeah, let's right? say that. Let, let's go with that. Yeah, let's let's assume you can take all HTs and plug it into Chirp. You can't, but yes, let's go with okay. that. And then Chirp programs the radio. Just whiz bang, boom. Sure. Right. Why wouldn't there be even a software mm-hmm. that you could connect your radio to? Go, I'm a technician. This is where I'm at. Bada bing, bada boom. Wonderful. Do it. Great. This is a great question. On 10 meters and 6 meters, it's not channelized. So there, is, there isn't like a repeater frequency you're going to hop on. There are repeaters for 10 meters and 6 meters. But most of the time on those bands, you are driving the VFO. You're turning it around looking for people talking. There, are, there isn't a channel we all congregate on on those bands because on those bands, we're starting to dip into the HF world. HF world, it's not about repeaters. It's not about co-locating on a, on a common band. It's about just wherever the hell you want to talk to. And if there's somebody on one frequency, that frequency could be a weird mishmash of offset frequencies that is not published because it's just an ad hoc discussion well, it, we're having. Uh, but why, why does the software need it to be published? Why can't it also do what a human does to detect the... Oh, okay. So now we're, now we're getting a little bit... Okay, so this is a little bit more interesting. Okay, okay. Well, now I'm, now I'm seeing where you're going. So in the future, in the world we live in today, I actually don't think that it's that difficult if a radio manufacturer had a menu option, like when you started it up for the first time, where it asks you, what is your your license class? What's your license class? And then we're only going to let you use what's available in your license class. Well, let let me be more specific. It will let you listen on the outside frequencies, but it won't let you transmit yes. on the outside Yes, why does this not exist? Okay, so when we started out this discussion, you said that some dude has to come around with a key or a dongle to unlock the frequencies. But well, if it's whatever. a self yeah. no, but 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 if it's a self electing thing, yeah. then that's actually not that difficult to do. This is what I'm saying. Okay, we now, have now the I've, technology. I have come all the way back around, and I'm in support of what your your thought is. Thank I, you. I actually don't think that's... Thank you. I just came up with a fantastic solution. You did. ICOM, you're welcome. No, actually, <laughs> and I was going to say, ICOM and, and Flex Radio possibly is super set up to handle this. And I Ray think that Ray Novak, are you listening? <laughs> yeah, I actually think that's a really good idea now that we, we post it that way. A self-elected uh, license class button that mm-hmm. you click that would keep you... And this would be valuable to generals too because mm-hmm. then the general, when they dip down below, you know, 14.225 or whatever, would protect them from transmitting there. And just say, hey... By the way, throwing a little ham shade, you're not an extra yet, kind of thing. What? What? Why do we have to throw ham shade? I well, no, was... yeah, we got to make it super snarky. No, 
No. It says like, when are you going to get your general? When are you going to get your extra? <laughs> That's what it says when you try and transmit outside a band. Well, I know you want to do this DX right now, but when are you going to get your extra? I'm kidding. But imagine, of course it doesn't imagine how much more comfortable people would be operating and mm-hmm. getting on the air because they wouldn't be worried that they're doing something wrong. So the radio is is protecting them. Their radio that they bought with their own money is keeping them safe. Yeah. Good. Good call. This is really good. Thank uh, you. This is a really good idea. I'm solutions oriented. You yeah. are. You are. You really are. Mm-hmm. Like every time we, sometimes we start these things mm-hmm. and we have a, we have a podcast idea and I, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, Leah just doesn't get it. She just, she just doesn't but know I get what, it. She just doesn't know what ham radio is all about. She just doesn't get it. But then we start talking about it more and I'm like, oh no, this is actually a really good idea mm-hmm. because most of these radios now are all software defined anyway. Yes. So to say, like, if if it was a technician mode, it would just be the technician spaces only on 10 meters, mm-hmm. which technically there is um, there is a restriction on 10 meters for technicians. But then when you start going up to 6 meters and 2 meters and 70 centimeters, no restrictions. Yeah, then you're not going to transmit, like, voice on CW bands and, like, all these tricksy rules. You well, know? that's a bit different. But no, and, we don't want to do that because digital modes use um, upper sideband. So you don't want to do that. I, I'm not. I'm not with you on that one. Let hey, take take the credit. Yeah, take the credit I gave you. Let let's yeah. just you, you take the points I gave you right now, and and let's stick there. This is actually really good. This is a really good idea because I, I, I started with this. I'm like, how am I going to try and reply to Leia to get her to understand this? But now I completely understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. This Thank is good. you. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add to that that isn't like? I would like royalties. <laughs> <laughs> so royalties go to Leia for the, you know, for the idea. Yeah, let me see if I can recap this a bit, because this is actually a really good idea. And this this wouldn't be all be for all radios, because I think that's kind of a, a, a moot point for a lot of them. So the idea is, it, so the, the radio that comes to mind when I'm thinking about this is actually a Yesu radio. The 991A is an HF radio, or the 7100, we can, we can talk about that too is an HF radio that does 2 meters and 70 centimeters. And so basically what it's saying is there there could be a setting in a menu somewhere that says, what license class are you? Mm-hmm. And then you say, I'm a technician. Mm-hmm. And so it will delimit the bands that you can transmit on to the bands that the technician gets, like 80 meters. My God. I CW think you've got only. It. I think you've got it and then 10 meters specifically within the range of 10 meters for voice mm-hmm. among cw but sure and then you know six meters it's like oh no all, all bets are off at six meters you can you can go nuts you know leah i think uh i think this is this is an idea whose time has come thank you yeah mm-hmm. this is actually a really good idea mm. i love it and I, I think it i think it you know what i think like 
turned me off to the whole thing is that we had like a guy with a dongle. They would have to come and like I didn't plug say his a dongle guy with radio. a dongle. I didn't say a guy with a dongle. It's like you could just buy the dongle and it would like run a, and it would no. But I don't want something. I don't want you to buy it. Like you bought the radio. Like if you this this should be a user aid. It it yes. shouldn't be a a, a a restriction. I didn't I didn't say you'd have to like well, you buy. Just said buy. You said buy. You said buy. You've said buy multiple times. When we were talking about this, but this is a user's aid. I don't even think it's a big deal to buy. It. No, it's totally a big deal. It's totally a big deal. Nobody, nobody should charge you for this. This is an aid to help you from doing something inpro- inappropriately on the bands. Fair enough. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it just it it should just be like, hey, um, I bought this radio. Okay. Let me let me go back a step. There are a lot of technicians who go out and buy HF radios. Right. And if they had the ability to say, hey, I'm a bit out of my league here, keep me from screwing up. Mm-hmm. Keep me from from uh, pissing people off on the air. Having the radio take care of them a little bit, I think is a good idea. Yeah, confidence think, builder. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really good idea. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm, wow. Hmm. I'm, I've gone full circle. Full I circle. did a full 180. <laughs> oh, that's not full circle. You'd be back where you were disagreeing with me at the beginning. A full You're 180 right. is turnaround. Yeah, I said full circle, though. No, that's that's a... I 360. Did, I did... Uh, so I walked into the establishment. I turned 360 and I moonwalked out. <laughs> that's, the, that's the line. That's the meme line for that that you're looking for. All righty. Man... Leia, I think we, uh, I think we solved a lot of things today. Yes. I don't know what kind of things. But next world peace. Next world peace. <laughs> uh, I I hope you all will. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this was fun. And you can always hit us up at Leia at hamtactical dot com. And if you are so inclined, and I appreciate it, it's a bit more difficult than just hopping on the internet. But if you do drop us a review on iTunes, we really do appreciate it. I would really like you to leave a review. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> we can't have you do ooh anymore. <laughs> I Connor don't get it. Probably, I, Connor's going to be emailing me right now. It's going to be crazy. I don't know. <laughs> I, I know ooh, you don't know what they, I know just like a I know. gamer girl, right? I, I understand. And she talks like this? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you sounded more like a Disney character than anything. I don't think you truly understand, but okay. You're you're close. You I, I Okay, while you're editing the podcast, you can show me what a new is. <laughs> I, it's not good. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, by the way, if you want extra points in next week's email, make sure you let us know if you're emailing us on WinLink, because I think that is going to be a lot of fun. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. We have a lot of fun making it, and the fact you listen and send us feedback means a lot to us. It truly does. I can't say that enough. So with that said, from me, Josh KI6NAZ, 73. 73.